This podcast is proud to be part of the TalkSport Fan Network. TalkSport. Powered by fans. Ready to pop the question? The jewelers at BlueNile.com have got sparkle down to a science with beautiful lab-grown diamonds worthy of your most brilliant moments. Their lab-grown diamonds are independently graded and guaranteed identical to natural diamonds, and they're ready to ship to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. The TalkSport Fan Network is proudly supported by McDelivery, bringing you the food you love. McDelivery brings a top-tier lineup of food right to your door. No matter the result, you'll always be winning with McDelivery. So, the only thing left to say is... You win? Order now on the McDonald's app, and you can also get rewards points delivered too, so that ordering today means some tasty rewards for tomorrow. Only via app at participating restaurants, 18 plus, rewards registration required. Points only on menu items. Delivery fee and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. Welcome to the Chelsea Fancast, fueled by Guinness, powered by Celery, the show that went to the East End last night, survived the air raid, and had a good old knees up. As always, when playing West Ham, it was very much like going back in time, to the 1940s to be precise, when East London was a bombsite and air raids were an occupational hazard. And so it was last night, as West Ham's tactic was to employ their very own aerial bender, one Andy Carroll to drop bombs on Chelsea from a great height. Uh, thankfully, Chelsea's defence were wearing their tin hats, and a rapier-like counter-attack from the magical Eden Hazard, together with a knees-up from Diego Costa, sent the Marshmen back to cry into their jellied eels. Gorblimey, strike a light. I'm Stanford Chidge, and the name of tonight's show is... The Chelsea Fancast. Knees up, Mother Brown. Uh, very appropriate considering where we were last night. Now, on the show tonight, as always, I have got the wonderful uh, cockney Jonathan Kidd. Hello, mate. How are you doing? I'm all right. I'm all right. Knock it on the head, Chief Bollocks. Lovely to have you in here and, as always. Yeah, and you too. How's your cockles? Uh, my cockles are, are, are very... They're welk. Oh, they're very <laughs> that welk. was quite good. I thought that was <laughs> quite good. That was very yeah. good. Was and about, anyway, uh, joining uh, joining Jonathan and myself on the show, of course, we have a, actually, I, I should say, a massive thank you to Clayton, because uh, uh, as those of you who listened to sh- uh, last week's show will know, we were going to have Seb O'Mahony on, but Seb uh, apparently has to go to work tonight, so uh, uh, I, I've, I've roped uh, Clayton in, and I'm very grateful to have you in here, mate. Nice to see you. Yes, very good to be back. Thank you very much for the invite. I'm happy to help out. Looking Lovely. forward to it. Pleasure. Always a pleasure having you in here. Uh, and I think it's be a good night tonight, having read the script. And last but by no means least, uh, we have the uh, most popular person uh, on the fan cast by a country mile. We have the girl who likes balls, also known as Alex Churchill. Hello, Alex. 
Hello. I can't tell you how many sexual favours I've had to promise to get to that point, though. Yeah, well, none from us. I can guarantee you that. Yes. Yes, indeed. Yes. I mean, our integrity is well intact. I can tell you that. Uh, Lovely to have you. Thank you for your blog today, by the way. Uh, As always, a a fantastic read. It makes me hoot with laughter when I read those. You have such a wonderful style. I do enjoy reading. Right. Enough of all of that. On the show tonight... We discuss how combating the aerial threat led to another uh, big three points with the pressure on. Uh, In part two, we ask, uh, have rumours of Eden Hazard's demise been exaggerated? And why on earth are people giving Costa, who has now scored 17 Premier League goals, stick? Something about unsuccessful touches, apparently? Probably more to do with keyboard warriors' fumblings with women. Anyway, in part three, we move the emails up a part because we've got so many tonight. And I tell you, they are absolutely all absolutely fantastic. I mean, they really are. Uh, We've got emails from Paul Hay on chance. We've got uh, Roy Stennings on his incredible history supporting Chelsea. We've got Ross Parks, uh, homage to the uh, back three. We've got Lars Lindfist, that's how you pronounce it apparently, uh, on what it's like to support Chelsea in Minnesota. Uh, we've got Harrison Lego pleading with the support to sing something other than Antonio and Mac Bergson worried about leaking goals. Uh, now, in part four, uh, we have a look ahead to uh, next Monday's FA Cup quarterfinal against Manchester United. Um, right, apart from all that, don't forget you can listen to the show live every Monday. It's live every Monday, live. seven o'clock. Oh, live. no, here we go again. <laughs> all you have to do is, yes, I know, we can't help it. And it's just a homage oh. to Martin Tyler, you see. Anyway, all you need to do is to go to Mixler, which is mixlr.com forward slash Chelsea hyphen fancast, and you can uh, join in a lot of chat. There's a, there's a few people in there tonight. Uh, some of the usual suspects. John Chip, Chip, Chiverton is in there, I see. The lovely Jacaranda chick. Clive Lewis, nice to see you. Pradge is in there. Uh, if she don't come, I'll tickle her bum, no doubt. Uh, he's the, 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 Yes, well, they, they've shortened it, but you know what I mean. Loads of people in there. All good to see them, as always. Um, now, the other thing I should mention, um, I'm surprised that Clayton didn't pick uh, this up in my introduction. Aerial Bender. Uh, can I say Mott the get, Hoople. Can I do Mott, it? Mott the Hoople. He didn't just play with Mott the Hoople, though. Who else, Who else, Jonathan, for an extra bonus point? Uh, uh, Hoople the Mott. No, close but no cigar. <laughs> uh, do you know what? I can't remember, but he did play for other bands. <laughs> <laughs> oh, well done, well done Chidge. Good knowledge. I, Good knowledge. I, no no points. No points. Can I say yeah, go something? On. Can I say something? Yeah, yeah. He became yeah, yeah. a producer. He became a producer uh, at the BBC, and he produced a session I did with my band. No. For the no job for the way. John Peel show. Yes. You you were on the John Peel show. No, it never made it. <laughs> no. <laughs> yeah, John Peel uh, always had great taste. <laughs> he did. Sp- spooky, spooky tooth. Spooky tooth. That was it. Yeah. Yeah. No, you see, I, I, I found it. Uh, spooky no, tooth. Widowmaker, Steeler's Wheel, the VIPs, and the well-known Hapshash. And the coloured coat, which has always been one of my favourites. Well, there we go. Enough, enough. Ariel Ben. I don't remember his real name. I don't know. No, Clayton would know it. He's just looking it up. What's his real name? I don't know. I'll find out. I'll come back. Enough. All right, right. After the break, we'll be not coming back to what Ariel Bender's real name was. Uh, We'll be talking about (laughs) West Ham. West Ham versus Chelsea. See you in a second. 
Yeah, so, um, hmm, a lot of people, a lot of people who shall remain nameless were somewhat worried, uh, somewhat concerned about the fact that we had an away trip to uh, to West Ham, to the London Stadium, the once glorious Olympic Stadium, where so many fond memories of Daring Do from 2012 has been utterly obliterated by Lady Brady and the Dildo Twins, and their <laughs> appropriation of uh, the stadium at our expense. But anyway, there we had to go to play football, and so we did. And as I said, a lot of people were nervous, myself included, nervous even, uh, myself included, because, I mean, West Ham always bloody turn up when we when we play them, don't, don't they? And, you know, we had a lot of pressure on us with all the rivals winning, so it was all a bit, mm, I was nervous. Clayton, were you nervous? Uh, exceedingly nervous and Andy Carroll always scores against us and you just knew yeah, that the, the, the fact that Man City and Arsenal had both gone to Olympic Stadium and West Ham had just not turned up you just knew they were going to turn up for us you knew they were going to make life difficult and I think it wasn't so much that West Ham <clears throat> themselves because they haven't played very well this season it was the fact that our one weakness that has, has sort of manifested itself over the last couple of weeks or months even is, is being susceptible to headers at the back post, etc., etc. Um, and so when you heard that Andy Carroll was fit and raring to go, yeah, I was nervous. I thought, you know, this is going to be really, really tough. Mm. As fit as a donkey can ever be, I suppose. But um, Jonathan, <laughs> I mean, what about what about you? Were you a bit nervous? I mean, you're always like me. You're a bit of a pessimist, aren't you, really? I uh, I pathetically hid behind the sofa as if the Cybermen were it. <laughs> it was uh, it was vile, and then I sat there thinking, well, of course they'll score now. Of course West Ham will score. They're just he'll he'll plough through them, Carroll, and just you know smash the ball in. There was a little period where it looked likely, and when they had all that possession, and we uh, we seemed to just sort of accept that they were. It was like Muhammad Ali just being you know you being smashed around the head. But the advantage with Muhammad Ali, you thought he'd always come back and go, well, OK, I've had given you my little bit now. Now I'm going to knock you out and do a few dances. And I have to say, that's exactly what we did, other than the last five minutes when uh, when we went back to our strange um, supine defending worst. But uh, no, I was uh, I was very worried about it because, as you say, they they turn up. They don't bother against other sides, but um, it's uh, their supporters turn up and uh, and they turn up. Though apparently there was a very good um, atmosphere. I didn't make it last night. I was mm. the third watching on the box. But, uh, well, Alex, there, Alex was other there. Other than that strange man. No, I wasn't. Strange supporter who just stood by when they scored the goal, stood behind everybody, <laughs> abusing them. It's absolutely <laughs> bizarre. Did you see that? I mean, this, there's this bloke just suddenly, this typical, stereotypical West Ham fan, you know, large, um, bald-headed, 
Essex male. About him. Yeah, male going in a black top. Going, Brexit means Brexit. Yeah. <laughs> Alex, I, I, I thought you would I thought you would have been there last night, Alex. Well, that's how long no, the, the old dear is in hospital, but oh, needless no, to I'm say, sure to hear that. about 7.30, both my brother and I had completely abandoned her and we're in front of the television. <laughs> <laughs> Which she knew enough, was coming. Right? You'll be going she, now, think, won't you? Yes, Mum. I think she probably. I think she probably would understand that. I mean, I think the the interesting thing is. I mean, Jonathan mentioned the aerial threat. Clayton mentioned the aerial threat. I, I've got to be honest. I was a bit worried about, about Andy Carroll because for some reason he does always have a decent game against us. But I have to say, Clayton, I thought both Louise and Cahill were absolutely superb. Also Moses, which has kind of been the weak point, Moses and Aspie against crosses coming in. But I'll tell you what really caught my eye, which is kind of why I'm talking to you about it, was that it seemed to me that um, Thibaut Courtois went into the game with a considered strategy of just punching the ball, and if he missed the ball, punch Carroll, which is always a good thing. But he basically punched the went, went on a big punching spree, which I don't normally see him doing. Um, no, and and that punch, the the one, there was a memorable punch that went, God, it went about thirty meters. It was it was a huge punch. I thought that the way that, and 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 this is a genius of Conte. I don't know how, but these guys who've been out jumped on so many occasions last night, they had spring in their steps. They they basically, mm. what I thought was really clever was the fact that they anticipated and they got in front of him before he could actually get anywhere near it. How much he was affected, uh, Carol, by headbutting Victor Moses in his first aerial <laughs> challenge? I don't, I don't know. That. But if I mean Victor Moses had a great game, but that was the best thing he did, sticking his nog in the way. Um, interesting thing you said about Tebow, and we might come on to it when we talk about what Jonathan was saying about how sort of we we sat back. I thought there were several occasions in the second half where I wanted Tebow to come out and just claim the ball because it would have taken so much pressure off. And I think there were a couple of occasions where he could have done that. But, you yeah. know, bo- bottom line is we won and and whatever we did in, in terms of preparation worked and we it was, it was fantastic. Clayton, I, I, one thing I would say about that, though, and this is why I actually do think that they... I mean, I, I think... Which, I mean, you're intimating this anyway, but I think that, that, that Conte were really hard on on their defensive system for that game in terms of trying to clear their lines. And I think that uh, for Courtois, it was kind of safety first, you know, punch the ball, get it out of the way. Because if he tries to catch it, you know, the chances are that, that Carroll's going to foul him, which won't go punished, and something might come from that. So I kind of think it was a safety first policy. Yeah, no, I, I don't disagree. But, I mean, there, there, were, there were times in the second half where he... <clears throat> You're quite right, but he didn't even come and punch it. He didn't actually try and do anything. He just was quite, well, he was quite static. But with a lot of this, and I, I, I actually, and I've actually written about it in the in CFU UK. I've, I've written a bit about it. The one thing that I think I maybe I'm a bit old fashioned. I think goalkeepers now their whole way of playing has completely changed. Yeah, I, yeah. you know, and I, I think I think ultimately he's on message like the rest of the team, and you know. The, the result speaks for itself. It's very interesting as well, actually. I've got this hilarious uh, post on Mixler, which I must share with you. It's from Chuckles Cabby, who uh, I, I won't reveal his real name, but I, I have the pleasure of seeing him at the CFC UK store before every game. And he just says, nervous, try being in the home end like me. 
Quality. So Chuckles managed to take West Ham's end by the end of it. Jonathan, one of the things that I, 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 you know, I wanted to talk about really was that, um, you know, it's it, funny actually being reminded about the nervousness before the game. But I've got to be honest, I thought that we were in complete control and pretty much made it look quite easy. One of the things I love most was how confident we are on uh, on passing our, our way out of trouble from the back, particularly. There's you know, I mean, they're not, they don't do it stupidly. So if there's a real crisis on, they will hoof it. But nine times out of ten, they make little triangles right from the pen, their own penalty area and they pass their way out of it calmly. And it's just, it just exudes confidence and ability. And oddly, it's, it's, it's kind of passed me by until last night. I don't know why, but I, well, I noticed I, it last night. I have to say, Chid, my heart's in my mouth every single time because I'm... I'm, <laughs> I'm I'm such a pessimist, but uh, but yes, and even when when Zuma came on, I don't know if you noticed this. He was very very um, uh, uh, punctilious, you could even say meticulous. Ooh, I, I like should say that. meticulous. Thank you, thank you. It was the wrong word though, completely the first time. It's a great word, nevertheless. Thank you, but let's let's throw other words in. Um, uh, pusillanimous. That's wrong completely. Yeah. But um, no, he was he was very very discombobulation. Uh, no, not that one. Definitely not that one. He was very, but a good word, nonetheless. And um, by the way, his name is Luther Grosner, Ariel Bender, as I remember. Um, I've remembered that. I haven't looked that up. Luther Grosner. Um, what was his uh, middle name? Oh, bloody hell, I don't remember that. <laughs> <laughs> oh, God. Um, anyway, but yeah, Zuma came on and very, and very meticulously, similarly passed in the little triangle. So I think it's something that they obviously do in training as as I think the whole of these tactics for dealing with West Ham, they similarly did in, in training because, as you say, Moses was uh, was on fire defensively and even stopped that one on the line, didn't he? Um, uh, rather terrifically from uh, the only thing that that winger did. What was his name? Falowski, whatever his name was, I can't remember. Um, uh, it was dreadful for most of the game other than that shot. Um, but no, I, 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 they, they, they do play the ball beautifully. But... but I still, you know, as it still completely make, freaks me out because I'm convinced that somebody a bit quicker than the galumphing Carroll will get there and uh, and rob somebody. But we seem to do it better and better. But I think the whole process of of of, uh, of you say being spring healed and dealing with all the crosses was um, was brilliantly done. And I thought, uh, as you're saying, that Louise Cahill and uh, uh, and and Aspie were phenomenal last night. Absolutely phenomenal. Yeah. I do yeah. think that. The, the passing out of defence to the midfield was what let them down a lot. And I'm and I will, you know, I know this is contentious, but I feel that um, Fabregas starting. I know we we we're all very keen on that um, uh, last week, but I thought Matic would start. He does play this strange ball over the top to no one too much, which he doesn't seem to do when he comes on as a sub because he's got more time and more room. And he tried it so often and it's just essentially giving the ball away all the time because it, it never seems to work. And it just frustrates me the amount of times they were giving the ball away in the midfield. Well, there um, we go. But the, Jonathan, Jonathan, yeah. Jonathan, like, like Antonio Conte, you are a perfectionist. Well, I think actually are, that, oh, I'm not at all. I'm a realist, mate. We've had this, oh, we've right. had this debate on this show, I think, yeah, but occasionally, pretty much from the moment that you and I have been on it that we I have That's this debate true. with you that you're a perfectionist and I'm a realist so there we go I don't know, occasionally, we're never going to settle feel, it I feel there's occasionally there's perfectionism about your realism 
<laughs> and there's also a reality about your perfectionism. Boom, boom. Yeah. Um, yeah. Talking of uh, perfectionists and realists and uh, Antonio Conte, um, Alex, you know, he was so pumped after that match, wasn't he? I mean, both, you know, at the end of the, you know, when the whistle went, he went over to the fans and he was giving it large. Uh, clearly very happy. He was he was much the same in the in the presser. I mean, obviously he wasn't, you know, pumping his arms and all that in the presser, but he he was clearly, you know, pumped that we'd picked up three points. And I think I think he, the way he articulated it was very much that, you know, that was real pressure because everybody else who needed to win had won, and he knew that was going to be a tricky fixture. I suppose it was in his head that we'd lost against them in the League Cup, and that maybe had con- concerned him, but. Um, it was it was kind of in a sense, I, I was kind of encouraged to see how important that obviously meant to him. That you know he gets it, doesn't he? He he knows what are the big games to win, and that was a big game to win in many respects, wasn't it, Alex? It was. I mean, he was actually so pumped that allegedly he had to go and shower and change yeah. like all the players before he came out for his post-match interview. But um, I wasn't too worried about the fact we lost him in the cup because didn't we make like nine changes for that game yeah, exactly. and not give a crap? And uh, to be honest, if I remember rightly, I think they caught JT out at the centre of the back three. And that's how they beat us. And the fact that we didn't use the wingers that have been so um, effective in Alonso and Moses, which is why they got the better of us. Um, but like you say, they do come out and sting us. And I think, yeah, to, more than anything to me, he looked annoyed that we conceded, which I can understand because it was we'd been pushing a high line because we didn't really have much respect for how fast they could come back at us. And it kind of caught us out in the end because Zuma was flailing up a bit too high. I think he'd been brought on to come and ensure that we didn't screw up at the back and it had the reverse effect. But um, also as well, I think relief. I think it, it's got to the point now for everyone, me included, where if we lose it from here, we'll look like utter wankers. <laughs> <laughs> More than anything. It's just you sit there at kickoff going, please don't screw this up. Please don't screw this up. I can never go to work again. I can never face a gooner again if we lose it from here. Uh, yeah, so more than anything, my nerves are shot. And it was just complete relief. I'm, I'm disappointed in you, Alex, although I should have known better because, of course, I did read your blog where you were bemoaning the fact that any, any more of this and you'll probably be having a cardiac arrest. But I kind yeah. of expected you, as the, young, the youngest amongst us and probably the most intelligent by, by a long way, to, to not be half as petrified. I mean, I, I can kind of excuse Jonathan and Clayton and even, even myself to a certain extent because we've been watching it for so long. We, we, we just have a, an, an air of something bad is bound to happen. There's an inevitability about it in terms of our Chelsea support. But I, I didn't have you down as a, as a, as a, as a you know, a slightly worried to person, be honest, Alex. I'll be honest. My only, the only 10 minutes of fear that I had last night were the eight minutes at the beginning of the game before I realised they were shit and two minutes that were left of injury time after they scored where I thought, oh, we'll look like idiots again if they come back at us and get an equaliser. But obviously they just left it too late. But it was Mariner and I completely would, as the, as the biggest numpty in refereeing, see, I didn't swear, um, no, I mean, I wouldn't have put I, it past I, yeah. to add another five random minutes and for us to get. I stung. freaked so, out. I, 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 I freaked out when they scored. I freaked out. I just thought, how much is left? How much is left? There's two minutes. They might score again. I couldn't believe it. Yeah. Um, listen, I'm going to move on to something uh, a little bit more positive to make us feel, you know, maybe not uh, as as uh, you know, uh, kind of. I don't know what the word is. Shitting a brick would do, I think. Um, but anyway, I found out some amazing stats, Clayton. You'll love this. Um, 
that apparently Chelsea. I, I don't know if this is true or not because because being me, I've not kind of you know checked for, checked for its uh, validity at all. I just happened to see it on Twitter last night. Apparently Chelsea have now won more London derbies than any other. Obviously, London club. Otherwise, it wouldn't be a London derby, would it? Apparently, we've now won 119, which is one more than the, than Arsenal. Uh, do you think that's true? Um, yeah, because if you think about it, Tottenham have beaten us about once in about 80 yeah. games, and uh, in the last ten in the last ten years, well, since since 2004 when Jose joined, I think Arsenal have beaten us twice. So you have to think that if you actually looked at the stats in the last 10 years, they'd be even more slewed in our favour. We don't lose that often to London teams. I mean, who are we talking about? West Ham, Palace, uh, Arsenal, Spurs. We don't actually lose that many games. Fulham, yeah. So We had a terrible uh, run against Arsenal for years, though, didn't we? You remember that? Yeah, but but, but basically, if you think about it, when when did the Premier League start? Was it 93, 94? Something like that, yeah. So basically, yeah, I mean, there, there would have been a period of about 10 years when we wouldn't have done very well. But you balance it out the 10 years that followed. And I'm sure mm. that we've reversed that against them. Um, yeah. I think it's a great, I think it's a great yeah. stat, but it's just, you know, Apparently, it's, a stat, it's, it's, it? defi- it's definitely true. John, John Chips Chiverton says it's true. And if he says it's true, I believe him. Um, there's another one. You'll like this, Jonathan, um, which was obviously, you know, doing the rounds on the coverage last night. And they were, they were making a point of it at the time. Conte is the only Premier League manager to have used all three subs every game. How about that? Yes. Yeah, I don't like it, though, because I think it, it, we don't play very well whenever he uses all three subs. We all seem to concede a goal in the last few minutes at the moment when he does it. So uh, I'm not Well, that convinced. pissed on that then, didn't it? That's <laughs> <laughs> I don't like it. <laughs> don't hold can back, I, Alex. All right. <laughs> Can I, can I just remind people that when Conte, at the beginning of the season, wasn't using his subs until the last 10 minutes, he wasn't very popular, was he? That's when true. Was that? Everyone was winning, weren't they? Well, we were normally 3-0 down at the time. That's <laughs> well, it was, it was a game against Liverpool at home, wasn't it? When he didn't yeah, change anything until right. about the 85th yeah. minute. Yeah. I, I mean, do. I said at that time, I said at the time, a... I said, change it, change it, I said. Listen, sen- sensible, sensible question, sensible question. Uh, does anybody know why, Why? I mean, you know, why Why always put three on? Why all, use them all? I mean, is, it, do you know what it reminds me of? I mean, I don't know if any of you lot follow the rugby, but... Um, you know, it seems to have become, certainly with the, the England team at the moment, quite a thing to... to you know, use uh, uh, their substitutes. They kind of like call them the finishers, and th- there's a real thing about it. And I'm just wondering if, you know, Conte's kind of looking at it like a, it's a 14, hang on, 11, 12, 13, 14 man game. My maths is never my strong point, as we all know. But it's like a 14 man game now, not an 11 man game. Do you think that might be going on, Jonathan? No, not at all. No, um, I don't anybody think else? So no? no I think what is it then? Pedro- Pedro never lasts 90 minutes. That's one every game because you will start him every week. But I just I think he's like Ozil was at Madrid where you expect him to be great for 70 minutes and then you know you'll have to replace him. And Williams like that mm. to a certain extent as well. I think what, yesterday yeah. Hazard limped off. So that was yeah, another yeah, one. Yeah. I just think it's more circumstance. I don't think he's consciously determined to use all three every time. I think they're like uh, opera singers, aren't they? They can only give it a certain go, and then they have to have to wander off because they're a bit knackered. Not like even, us, J.K. But, 
No, no, we keep going, Chidge. Well, For the whole yeah. two hours, mate. Do you know what, Jonathan? Uh, I just wonder. I'm not sure, though, Chidge. I don't know. How about this? Yeah. I've just I've just come up with a great idea, Jonathan. It might not be a great idea. It might be a completely shit idea. But nevertheless, <laughs> right at this minute, I think it's a great yeah. idea. And I think for charity, for charity, maybe Kidding. you and I should do a Chelsea yeah. fan cast for as long as we can still talk. Have we okay, got a spare we're... week? <laughs> <laughs> There's an international yeah. break coming up. Can see how long we could do one for, you know. But can, can we do can we do the kind of thing I used to do when I was at school, like doing long distance running, like hide behind a tree for two laps? Can we do that? Can we sort of metaphorically pretend that we're doing it, you know, and say, yeah, we're doing it. Anybody listening in, and then go and have a kip, you know, have a couple of hours. But a clever editing, we can put it on a loop, mate. Nobody will ever yeah, know. Yeah, exactly. I think you'd need JK's guitar though, because he could just waffle on indefinitely if he's <laughs> coming away. Anyway. Listen, talking of, waffling on in, talking of waffling on indefinitely, we, we're going to stop right now because we're going to have a quick break. Uh, but after that, uh, we shall be asking, have rumours of Eden Hazard's demise been exaggerated and why on earth people giving Costa stick? I mean, for God's sake, he scored, he scored again last night? What's wrong with people? Twice. Well, that's one of my uh, conclusions, Alex, but uh, there will be Move more. As we'll find out in a minute. <laughs> The only place for Chelsea fans. Footballfancast.com. Real fans, real opinions. I'm Jason Cundy, and you're listening to Chidge and the boys on the Chelsea Football Fancast. Total nutters and proper Chelsea. Okay, welcome back. I'm Stanford Chidge. This is the Chelsea Fancast. In an East End style tonight, isn't it? Cool, blimey, striker light, knock it on the head, Chief Bollocks. Hello, Clayton Beerman on the show tonight. Nice to have you with us. Very, very nice to be here. And tonight I will be Luther James Grosvenor. <laughs> okay. Okay. And uh, who are you going to be tonight, Jonathan? Uh, I'm going to be a regular Cockney chap. I'm going to do, go on, it's a peace super and no mistake. Go on, I could do with a cup of apples and pears up your stairs. Jelly okay. deals, jelly frog deals. And toad, frog and toad up your bum. Jelly deals, yeah. Ah. Jo- Jonathan, you, you've actually you've actually have played a Cockney, haven't you, in, in the past? I seem, I seem I to played, recall. I've played several Cockneys and uh, not, none of them ever spoke like this. I was on Minder as a Cockney. I was. That's on, right. Uh, I didn't. Didn't I? I tweeted that clip out, didn't I? You did. Don't I was remember. playing a Cockney, found Cockney villain. Cockney That's villain. Right. When you, I first started yeah, acting, look... everybody want, wanted me to be my dad because my dad made a career out of speaking like that. Even even though actually he came from Belfast and he spoke like that. So so uh, everybody's trying to get me to go along and be characters like that. And uh, and I was in actual fact though. Of course, I'd go to the interview and say, "Hello, I've come to play a Cockney." And immediately the job would fly out of the window. So, <laughs> <laughs> I don't think that they heard you. I don't think they heard you right for some reason. I think maybe they heard something else which had yes. cock in it. But uh, yes, anyway, uh, for the hard of thinking out in Mixler land. Um, now, uh, the, I would love to know who Alex is being tonight. Alex, you being the girl who likes balls or somebody else, perhaps? I think I'll just go for being the voice of sanity in this mad Cockney pirate convention that we've got going on here. It's live! You think this is mad? You should have been on last week's show. It was just 
it was i mean it, it got so mad that i just disappeared for half an hour was that my smart body no, well i don't know what was going on i think jonathan just went on was it glover long rant so I basically, I disappeared, went downstairs, got myself a bottle of wine and came back and they were still talking rubbish. So I thought, well, I'll let them carry on then. There's nothing to see here. Nothing to see. Anyway, we need to get back into the football. Otherwise, people will turn off in disgust and I wouldn't blame them. Um, we have kind of been not skirting around the issue because I think, I think we've all kind of recognised that, that, you know, Eden's incredible form. I mean, this is the thing with Eden Hazard. You know, when he's good, he's so fantastic. You kind of want him to... Be like that every second of every game. And, of course, he can't. He's a human being. Um, but I think his form had dropped a bit recently. But I've got to say, the last few weeks, he is back and then some. I mean, that that, that goal was superb, wasn't it, JK? I mean, real counter-attacking, rapier-like, clinical, Absolutely. boom, fantastic. Phenomenal goal, Chich. Phenomenal. Wasn't it? Absolutely brilliant. Brilliant. You know, then the whole game changed as a consequence. Yeah, what was it? Eight exactly. seconds from one length... Edge of the end of the pitch, the other with a great interception from Kante, of course, and a, a beautiful weighted pass from yeah. uh, Alex, as you put it, from Pesto, as your your, your, uh, <laughs> yeah. your uh, what was it, your predictive text, what was it, your auto auto? Oh, every time. Yes. I actually got given a jar of Pesto with a Christmas hat on for Christmas. <laughs> but That's no, because as a consequence, I thought it was uh, utterly phenomenal goal, and you almost sort of, and then he did that beautiful, beautiful. Uh, um, what was it? Uh, back, back pass, pass literally. Back yeah. Pass was just great stuff as well. He is a he is absolutely brilliant. He's a brilliant, phenomenal player. Um, I just and uh, I just he just gets kicked so often. I just wish the referees would protect him more. You know what was that ridiculous bollocks that was going on with uh, who was the bloke who kept fouling him? And then he had Coyote. he had, Coyote. He had yeah. chat after chat with him going up and saying, oh, next time, next one. And then, of course, Chess just does um, just grabs the bloke's shirt once and he's immediately booked. And you think, what about all these other bloody proper fouls that have been taking place on Hazard? You do, it's just, he's just it's so never, not protected. Do you know what, though, mate? Do you know what? It's never going to happen in the English game. There's, there's, there's it, 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 you know, there's something kind of weird about it. it. It's like unconscious. It's kind of almost insidious. But, you know, we still, a lot of, uh, you know, even younger generations than us all hark back to the days when men were men. It's a man's game. You know, they don't yeah. like it. They, you know, they like, won't, they won't, they won't, they won't do it. That's why Messi gets nowhere. Messi gets nowhere yeah. against English clubs, does he? Because they just kick well, him and he's like, what's all this? <laughs> yeah, but they do when it's in. I don't know, Alex, about that. I think in Europe, I, I you know, this is the thing. It's a very interesting debate. I mean, Jonathan's a qualified referee, as we know, uh, but in Europe, they they tend to be far more punitive. They they don't let any rough stuff go, and they will penalise you. And we often moan about that because we get our players sent off for doing what we think is a legitimate tackle. What I get really pissed off about is, as Jonathan's alluding to, it's this constant niggling, uh, fouling at Hazard to stop him. And I can't remember who it was. It might have been last week. It might have even been Jonathan. He mentioned it last week. But whoever we were playing, they were positively Leeds-like in their fouling of Hazard. They were taking it in I turns. I think, was it not Wolves? It was Burnley. It was Burnley. Uh, yeah, it was, Burnley. they took it in yeah. turns, didn't they? And nothing yeah. happened. Nothing. Exactly. They, they do it They do it in a... It's serially done, isn't it? Because Everton did it last year. With Ended with... Um, what's his face being... Costa. Costa. Yeah, yeah, we got absolutely. With with all the they, they nine of them t- t- uh, committed nine separate fouls on yeah. Costa. It was, it was easily worked out, and only one of them got booked. And then what's his face got sent off at the end? The um, 
Barry. Uh, uh, yeah, Gareth Barry got sent off. Yeah, but uh, I mean, it's it, it, that's what we were alluding to last week was the was the the rugby laws where the referee just says actually there've been far too many of these fouls. I see what you're doing, and the next person who commits a foul is goes to the sin bin, and that's why we were saying there ought to be a sin bin. Which, funnily enough, they've been debating, haven't they, at the um, uh, the new the, the the summit dealing with the new laws and t- tinkering with possibly having. Uh, experimenting with video footage next year in the FA Cup, they were saying. So slowly but surely they're getting there. But uh, I think that um, having uh, uh, sin bins would absolutely change the game for the best. I think it'd be phenomenal. Do, do, you, know, I think, do you know what, Jonathan, do you know what I think would work? Yeah. I think that what? the reincarnation of Monty Python's Graham Chapman marching onto the pitch, <laughs> announcing in his wonderful gruff tones, I'm sorry, but this tackling's just getting too silly. You're all going in the sin bin. That would work. That would work for me. Um, Clayton, I'm going mo- to move this on from being silly and surreal to sensible, because I know I can always rely on you for a bit of decent analysis. But, I mean, is Hazard back to his best, or are we just too greedy expecting him to be completely brilliant every week? Uh, I think it's somewhere in between, to be honest with you, because he is a phenomenal player. And I think that everybody is looking at him and saying he's one of the best. And then you look at Ronaldo and Messi and do they have off games? Because sometimes he has off games. But the thing is that Ronaldo and Messi play in better teams than, than Hazard does. We are a good team. We're not a great team. He's a great player. I think you're quite right. He's not protected, but quite interestingly, and, and they mentioned it last night, in, that, that he basically gets slightly more motivated and wound up the more he gets kicked. Now, obviously, that has to, there has to be a level of, of how he gets kicked, uh, because obviously, if he's going to get really badly kicked, then he ain't going to be able to do anything. But he said against Arsenal, he was so hacked off getting so kicked all the time that he went up and scored that phenomenal goal. He is a brilliant, brilliant player. Um, and the amount of abuse that he got last year is is just beyond comprehension. I mean, as you know, I went out on a limb and I said, look, I think he's injured. I thought he was injured for a lot of last year. And towards the end, end of last season, he played really well because that was the first time he was fit. I, I have no doubt there was an issue with Jose. Um, and that, I think, affected him mentally. But it was interesting what he said last night, the way that the team set up now, he's more central. Um, he said he felt quite isolated when he was out on the wing, but he's just a phenomenal, phenomenal player. I do hope that we can hold on to him for a bit longer. Um, I think that I think he will be there next year. I think he wants to do something in the Champions League with us, um, but we can have we're going to have a battle to hold on to him. I would imagine. Mm. Well, that one will obviously... Well, let's hope so. I amen to that. Um, I'm going to move on to Chesk, actually. Uh, Mr. Fabregas, to me. Um, because, he, obviously, he's been talked about a lot. And I, I get a lot of stick for coating him off for most of last season. I held my hands up. And I think maybe I got it wrong. Um, it's very interesting, actually, isn't it? Because I remember debating this on the show. And also, uh, name drop, name drop, with Kerry on the show that I do with him. And, you know, I've kind of come... To, Ooh, and uh, I've kind of come down to the conclusion that, you know, it's horses for courses. And, and in, a, in a sense, uh, last week against uh, Swansea was the case in point. And actually, the interesting thing is that both Kerry and I, having absolutely praised Chesk to the hilt for such a fantastic performance, uh, both when pushed, I asked Kerry first. and He said, oh, well, I'd pick Matic for this match. And I said, well, so would I. And then what happens was that Chesk starts... 
And I thought, you know, you know, I think, I mean, we, we should have been three, four, five nil up by the end of the first half. There's no doubt in my mind about that. And I think that, you know, Fabregas was at the heart of most of what was good about us. So really for me, Alex, it begs the question, is it better to start Fabregas and, and get a, a one and two, three goal lead and then bring Matic on? Or, or is it better to start Matic, tough it out and then struggle to score and then bring him on to try and rescue it? Um, I, I'm I'm torn. I don't know the answer to that. I'm kind of hoping you will. I've said in the blog this week, you start with Fabregas, you show intent, you say, we're going to come at you, we're going to get ahead, we're going to shut up shop and then we can bring Matic on. There's nothing worse um, at this point in the season when you're bricking it about dropping any points at all because obviously we're all terrified of Spurs coming for us. Um, but to sit there for an hour watching it not happen and watching it be overly defensive yeah. and then bring him on perhaps with 20 minutes to go and expecting to, or even less, he's come on with less sometimes and been expected to dig us out of a hole. Why would you bother? Start with him. He's had a fantastic attitude all season. Um, he's earned he's earned that. He's earned the faith in him to start the game and do what he can do. And then for us to say, okay, now's the time to shut it up. I think we shut up shop too much last night, which is why we conceded. We didn't need to take off all the attackers and leave ourselves sort of disorganised at the back is what I think happened. Um, but I definitely I'd start and then take him off, not the other way around. Why would you risk it? You know what, Alex, I, I, I agree with all of that. And, and, I, and I think, interestingly enough, there's the reason... And I think we started to shut up shop with about 65 minutes gone, which is way yeah. too early. And I, and I really do... I, I, there's something about West Ham away that spooked Conte to a, to, to a certain extent. Because going back to what we were saying earlier, his his reaction at the end, I mean, it was it was kind of way over the top, considering, A, it's West Ham... And B, you know, we were so clearly dominant. So I don't know. I might have put him up to DEFCON 3 for the first time this season last night when he came off because he was clearly agitated and just relieved it was over and a little bit manic. Yeah. Yeah, Wasn't so by odd. any means coming close to Mourinho and when he starts looking like a tramp and wearing his pyjamas to work and stuff. But I would have moved him to DEFCON 3. Yeah, it's a bit odd. Who knows? We'll never know the answer to that. But Jonathan, I hope I hope you can uh, give me some sort of insight into this because, um, you know, I'll agree. I'll you know, Costa's touch last night was sometimes appalling. But I've I've always said this: the thing about a quality striker like Costa is that they can do absolutely sod all for an entire game and then be on the end of a goal, and that's what they're paid to do. They're paid to score goals, and apart from that. He almost scored an absolutely superb goal with that that spinning turn that he did, and thirdly, again, like like Diego Drogba at his peak, if you, you know Costa is always worth being on the pitch because he's going to take at least two West Ham or whoever we're playing defenders out of action. He's going to create space for others because he's such a flaming nuisance. So you know, even considering that, the fact that he scored, he's now got seventeen Premier goals. People were absolutely launching into him on Twitter. I mean, I know people on Twitter are you know, retarded, let's be honest. And I include myself in that when I watch the football, so I can un- I can understand it in a sense. But this was over and above that. And the- there were people coming out with stats about unsuccessful touches. What on earth are they talking about? Can I chuck a stat in? Well, you can, if it's you can sweet. pretend. Yeah. Only if you do it in the style of Jonathan, to whom I ask. Hello, <laughs> I'm going to chuck a stat in. No, seriously, I don't care which of the three of them scores. Pesto, dro- uh Pesto, Costa and Hazard have 35 goals between them. They work for each other. 
bugger who puts it in the back of the net. They're right, totally right. unselfish. They're in it for each other. Who cares? But he did put the ball in the back of the net, didn't he, Jonathan? It? And he nearly had he two did. goals. But, but, let, but let's be frank, though, Chidge. He is not quite as decisive and incisive as he was since the China uh, debacle. You, you, really, you really think so? I, I reckon he isn't. He isn't because yeah. he's... He, well, there was, a, there was an occasion when he made the angle beautifully. He seems to do this every week. He makes the angle and you think, pull the trigger now. You're there. You've done it. You've got there. And and five five weeks ago, it was a, it, he'd have done it, and the ball would have been a, 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 on target and probably would have scored. And he's just taking an extra touch. I also think to be to be fair to him, um, he's having a lot. He's having three players on him a lot more than he did. Um, and so, uh, as you say, he is pulling players away all the time. But for me, he's uh, um, he's not quite performing as well. And yet, as you say, there he was, popped up off his thigh, into the gold. So um, uh, it's working. It's still working. But I just reckon he needs to be a little bit sharper. But, you know, I'm not going to say that it's all fallen apart for him because, you know, they're winning and we're top of the table, for goodness sake. And uh, all he needs is not that he's having a drought. He just looks a little bit, you know, he's taking an, a, an extra touch. So I'm, you know, I'm happy. But I just, I would side with those saying he's not quite as good as he was when he was rifling him in at it from all angles, you know. So. Sorry, there is a toilet paper implosion at the Emirates. It's great. Like, literally, they've had to stop playing because there's so much bog roll on the pitch. Well, that's great. Then- we can, for, for all those watching in black and white, I mean, I'm not watching it, so I've got no idea because I'm actually doing a show, Alex. Concentrating, <laughs> being a professional. Uh, Clayton, yeah, knock some sense into these reprobates. Please back me up on this. It's absolute twaddle. This unsuccessful touches noncery for Christ's sake, surely. Uh, okay, okay. I mean, I, I, I can see where Jonathan's coming from, and I, I write notes now, quite sadly, um, about the game when I'm watching it, just in case in my dotage I can't actually remember what the hell happened. Um, and I was just, I've just got one word. I've just put Diego question mark. This was like before half time. And the thing is that when, I mean, Jonathan may remember this, and I don't mean to exclude a lot of the audience, but when Peter Osgood played, my dad, my late dad used to say to me, I don't understand what he does. He's on the floor half the time. He never does anything. And it was like, he never does anything apart from score goals. Well, that's his job. You know, that that's Costa's job. And he might not be, look as sharp as he did at the beginning of the season but the the statistics tell its own tale no no lesser man than joe tweets tweeted something today he said he's played 2218 minutes he scored 17 non-penalty goals he has five assists and his goal and assist per 90 minutes is 0.89 now on the basis that he's a lone striker that's pretty good. And if you think about it last night, apart from the one clear chance that Hazard made for him, which the keeper, unbelievable save, brilliant save, he didn't get any other clear-cut chances. Now, I think the reason why he ooh, looks ooh, a little... Oh, I don't know about that. I oh, the, about that. No, I, I think, no, I think that the ball that Hazard played for him when, when we broke through and we had about was behind him, so okay, I fair enough, you know. But 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 ultimately, he looks bad because he 
he basically perhaps runs at people, but he's running at three people. Mm-hmm. And you lose the ball. Everybody's not Eden Hazard. So I think you cannot underestimate the amount of time and space that he takes up for Pesto and, <laughs> and Hazard to do what they're doing. You know, he he occupies two two defenders. Even if he's off his game, he's doing so much work. But what I think, actually, and I'm sorry, I'm just going to finish on this point, is I thought he had a, a sort of fairly average first half. But after he scored his goal, he really put himself about. He re- he. Yeah. I think he's such a confidence player. I mean, he's always been a streak scorer. And his goals come in clumps. So I sort of, I know where Jonathan's coming from, but, you know, if we win the league, he's, he's going he's gonna to be a huge part of why we, why we win it. Can I just yeah, say I as well? We, yeah, very quickly, go on. No, I was just going to say that, um, no, and I've completely forgotten what I was going to say now. She interrupted <laughs> <Dallas>, <laughs> no, no. <laughs> I feel denied. I feel denied. Denied. I I, tell you no, what, I was just going to say, I'm... we, run the, okay, we cool. run the risk because we were so terrible last season. I mean, we were dog shit last season. We wanted top four this season and somehow we're like double figures clear with a couple of months to go. We run the risk of overpicking at things. Yeah. When you think yeah. like we're talking about is they're doing good enough and is Costa good enough when actually other teams would just chew their arm off for one of them at the moment. Oh, I know I, we I, have I, to I, analyse, we do sit there, but I think sometimes people, they're just, they're getting overdone a bit. Well, to be, no, hang on a minute. Whoa, 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 whoa. To be fair, I don't think any of us are picking at Costa and I certainly no, no, not. No. In fact, my, my, no, my point was to defend him. Yeah, yeah. yeah, but these people who are having a go are just insane. I mean, you know, there are people. I mean, if you know, if you can put yourself in a straitjacket and, and not anywhere near anything sharp uh, or, or, or poisonous, then then watch a Chelsea game only via Twitter, and then you mm. or Facebook, and then you'll see what I mean. And I, 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 it, people it like just... this and Rio Ferdinand are the reasons why there should be an intelligence test before you can have a smartphone well, or an internet indeed connection. There is. Listen, I'm going to move on because we're, we're we're whizzing through as always. Um, and you know, we we cannot possibly uh, at the moment do a Chelsea fancast, Jonathan, without yet again praising N'Golo Kante, who I, I thought uh, Conte's presser last night was hilarious because he said, "Well, you know, he did five. I think it was he may have like mispassed five times." And he said, actually, I'm only joking because I've got to make something up to like criticise him for so he improves because he's that good. <laughs> and, I mean, he's just... I mean, and you called him, after the Leicester fans, the Kante twins. I, I saw it with my own eyes. I mean, I, I think one day, like like the wonderful Roy, who signs himself off as I, I saw Alan May score, I'm going to, in, in generations to come, on, on whatever you know permutation the Chelsea fan cast ends up being in 30 years time there will be people listening on Mixler who will say I saw Kante pass to himself it was just <laughs> insane wasn't it it was, it was just I, I had I mean I was watching it live Jonathan okay but I you know because I've got a TiVo I actually wound it back because I couldn't believe what I'd seen that he had passed the ball to Alonso who realized he was offside so stopped and then Kante realised and ran the ball down, yeah. just about kept it in play. 20-yard pass to himself. Uh, uh, <laughs> it's just too much. It's just yeah. failure to compute, Jonathan. It's, he's just fantastic, isn't he? Oh, completely remarkable. Yeah, it's, um, 
you, it, it, it makes you realise how uh, um, much he's contributed to, to the success of the side this year. I mean, I, I, you wonder, in fact, how what a confidence booster he must be for the rest of the team. Um, his ability to break down attacks and, and and also to be involved in the great goal in Italy it was his fact that he intercepted it. Yeah. Was it Noble, Noble's um, pass? Probably would have been quite reasonable with, with, with anybody else around, but uh, Kante got in there and set, sets the whole thing off. Now he's a he's a complete, completely superb purchase, um, and it looks as if he's going to be the um, uh, when we win the title, says Jonathan optimistically. Um, he'll be the only player who's won. Two titles with different clubs in successive seasons, won't he? Be? He'll deserve it. Yeah, yeah well, completely. He has, wonderful. Hasn't he won? He, 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 I, I saw some really weird stat about he's won more points or something than any player can, in consecutive seasons or something like that. I don't know. I mean, he's just. I just love the little guy. I just love him. I, I just I really. Mean, of course, he I, should I mean, win. Oh. Of course he's he so humble as well. Yeah. He's really he nice and sweet. Yeah. yeah. He's a really he sweet guy. I mean, of course, he should win Player of the Year, but there's that yeah, the moment here, here. The absolutely trumpeting towards uh, Ibrahimovic, aren't they? Just because he's a he's an old you know stager, so uh, and, they're all, and they're all United fans as well. But but and happily, Ibrahimovic won't be playing against us in the. Um, well, we'll get to that later, Jacob. We're going to get to that later. I was about to say, you're teasing it. You're teasing it, Jacob. I was. The true I was. pro that I you was. are. Um, I mean, look, forget forget the uh, the the you know the the PFA and the writers and all that nonsense. I mean, we we should all vote for Kante in the Player of the Year this year. I mean, you know what? It's, it's interesting because I started going swimming again this week, and I'm I'm, I'm terrible with my exercise, and I haven't been for ages. And there's a, there's a, there's a lot of very lovely lovely lads who 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 are there as well. Most of them are Southampton fans. They know I'm a big Chelsea fan. And they they were all kind of they were all delighted that we'd beaten West Ham last night because it keeps Southampton above West Ham and and they were saying well what what's the difference between uh, you know Chelsea this year and last year and I said it's simple Antonio Conte and N'Golo Kante for me it is that simple I mean those two have have made such a difference uh, to the side this year anyway enough of that I've got I want to just kind of wrap this part up by uh, um, I thought praising an absolutely fantastic performance by uh, the Chelsea choir, the Chelsea away faithful. I mean, let's face it, when we went there in the League Cup, it was a bit of a nightmare and uh, and then some. Uh, I have to say, I never thought that there would be any trouble tonight. Very different game, very different circumstances. But, I mean, you know, all this absolute bollocks about uh, West Ham being, you know, a great venue for atmosphere. The, gr- the ground is a toilet bowl. It's not designed for football. And, of course, there are about 30,000 West Ham fans who aren't really West Ham fans because they can get an easy ticket and they live in London. So it's absolute rubbish. But that said, uh, I thought the Chelsea faithful were absolutely astonishing. Uh, I heard nothing but Chelsea fans singing for the entire 90 minutes. And I have to say, we have to give a massive shout-out for two of their songs, which really struck home. One of which was, You're not West Ham anymore. And the other one was... was you sold your soul, you sold your soul, you sold your soul for this shithole, you sold your soul. That is Chelsea supporters at their absolutely vicious best, I thought, uh, Clayton, wouldn't you? Yeah, it was quite interesting. There were quite a lot of tweets on um, 
uh, last night from West Ham fans who were basically saying they're spot on. And, you know, they, they were basically saying those Chelsea songs are making us sad. When we were watching it, um, Mrs. B said, she said, it's quite noisy there, isn't it? I said, well, it is noisy. I said, but that that's 3,000 out of 50 plus. That's us. There's no noise yeah. from the home fans. They got excited for a couple of minutes and that was it. And when they scored, um, they'd all gone home. But what was yeah. interesting was that the, the guy who came on, I mean, that, that was old-style West Ham. He, he, yeah. obviously, he obviously missed the chicken run. Um, and he thought, I'm going to, you know, I'm going to make it home from home. Well, I mean, to be honest, Clay, on, Clayton, 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 Clayton that, 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 that was the epitome of a chicken run, if you ask me. You know, he got yeah. so far and then he bottled it, didn't he? Well, he only bottled it because basically three, three guys actually uh, held him back. I mean, it was extraordinary that he got that close. How yeah. did he, he do it? How? How did well, he get up? For goodness well, sake. I, I, I mean, obviously, you know, as as most of us big bald blokes, you know, we, we you know, <laughs> our pace over 10 yards is is something to behold. Yeah. No, it was, yeah. I mean, it was, you know, the, the way support has been brilliant all season. I, I, I hardly go to games away from home anymore. Uh, but I was at Leicester and, and that, that night, everybody was amazing. I mean, the fact that the people stood in sub-zero temperatures in at Burnley, you know, brilliant, absolutely brilliant. It's it's not easy, you know, with the kickoff times all changing, and the the lack of tickets that, that most clubs get now, to to sort of go and make that noise and support the team as they do, just tremendous, absolutely tremendous. I agree. Do you know, completely. I mean, one thing, Jonathan. I mean, uh, you know. Uh, you're you're a very level-headed and nice person, unlike me. Uh, there was there was an interesting thing actually. What I saw what I saw on Twitter afterwards was that a lot of West Ham's were sitting there going, I, "I hate Chelsea fans, but you know what? Those two songs, they've got a point." And I just kind of <laughs> wondered if 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 there's any if there's you know kind of a any sympathy for a lot of the genuine West Ham fans who have been given this soulless piece of shit thanks to the Dildo Twins and Lady Brady. And also, there's a, there's a, it's kind of a there's a warning here for for a lot of us, isn't there? You know, I mean, I, I don't for one minute, and of course, I'm quite close to it, so I kind of know that the uh, that the club and the supporters are doing everything they can to make sure the redeveloped Stamford Bridge uh, is not going to be a soulless, uh, you know, gentrified load of mess, and it will still. In fact, we're going to work very hard to try and ensure that the atmosphere is even better than it is now. But it, they are a cautionary tale, aren't they? And I think they, there, there is a bit of sympathy. I have a bit of sympathy for them, I'll be honest. I wonder if you do. Well, I tweeted last night. Uh, I'm not many people saw it, uh, but how, how uh, sympathetic I was towards them. I got followed by several West Ham supporters, so I think they're going to be slightly disappointed, <laughs> su- su- disappointed nice. when they realise that I'm a Chelsea fan. But, oh, dear. Uh, um, you know, yes, indeed. In fact, one guy, I almost... Just send him a message saying, mate, look, just don't follow me. You've made a mistake here. I was just saying how, you know, I was retweeting and saying how I, I, I understood. But I've got a West Ham mate who's just in the depths of despair about it all. Yeah. Um, you know, a level headed West Ham mate who's just uh, saying exactly the same as we've been saying, how the atmosphere has just gone completely. And, and uh, they don't know how they're going to make it work. That's the trouble. And uh, and they have sold their soul. And and they're, they're also this this the scared of the whole um uh, 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 of the non-West Ham fan coming in and them losing the traditions and the roots yep. and uh, and um, it's already happening uh, and, and it's happening and they're too far away to influence uh, the, the kind of singing is doesn't work in the same way as it used to and but they're trying to work at that by getting people to be you know old mates to be sat together again I think they're moving people around with tickets wise 
but it's just the um, the configuration of the ground makes it very difficult for uh, for the atmosphere to work at all. So um, well, it, it's not a football you know, stadium, which doesn't help. You know, that's indeed, the thing. I think the, the, the other thing, J.K., is that. West Ham don't have a supporters trust which is a, a bit of a nightmare if they're trying to get any kind of support it's interesting what you say about West Ham mates I've got a very good West Ham mate a guy called Sam Delaney who uh, does quite a lot of shows on talk sport in fact actually interestingly enough Sam was the guy that did that uh, stunt with Nigel Farage and the little girl who accused him of being of, of somebody who doesn't like foreigners but uh, Sam's an old mate of mine from telly days and he's a big big proper West Ham fan and for, I used to meet him in the pub actually before we played them at home for a bit of a giggle and I remember once his brothers turned up in a Chelsea pub with a Chelsea flag and burnt it in the pub so I would I would say <laughs> Sam and his family are kind of old school West Ham fans and slightly. he was on the radio slightly yeah and he was on the radio funny enough on the on the Hawksby and Jacobs show uh yesterday and and he was saying the same thing that he he doesn't really enjoy it going there anymore it's all gone a bit pear-shaped I do have a bit of sympathy with him we really need to move on uh because we've got so, we've got such a great part coming up before we do I should just basically mention uh is that was that Bertie making a mew sorry yes <laughs> hello was. Bertie how lovely Bertie how I know Bertie has sympathy for West Ham too, don't you? Oh, bless him. Oh. Anyway, um, somebody who I suspect hasn't got any sympathy for West Ham is the wonderful Kerry Dixon. Um, as you may or may not know, the first of his wonderful uh, kind of evenings uh, at the Sanctum Hotel in Soho kicked off last Friday uh, with an exclusive screening of his new uh, documentary all about the man himself. Uh, there's another couple coming up, one this Friday, one the Friday afterwards. Uh, but anyway, the DVD is released, I think, or is about to be released. And I think you can pre-order it now by going to midnightproductions.co.uk uh, forward slash footy legends 100. Uh, and of course, buy his book. That's still a kicking around on Amazon. It's a good read. And of course, look out for uh, the next Kerry Dixon show with me and Kerry, which will be out this Thursday. No doubt we'll be talking about uh, the West Ham game and uh, also looking forward to the Man United quarterfinal in the FA Cup as well. Now, after the break, uh, we, we've moved the emails part up uh, because we've got so many, basically, and they're absolutely brilliant, as I said earlier on this week. We've got emails from Paul Hay, Roy Stennings, Ross Park, Larsh Lingfist, and uh, Harrison Lego, and uh, Mac Bergson. So I'm looking forward to that, and I hope Jonathan's done his vocal exercises. <laughs> Away days are great, but there's nothing quite like playing at home. The same goes for McDonald's. Maximise your home ground advantage with McDelivery. You in? Order now on the McDonald's app. At participating restaurants, 18 plus, serving times, delivery fee and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. Chidge. JK. In all the years you've been following Chelsea, you hardly ever miss a match, home or away. But how would you feel... If you couldn't be there, and it's not on TV. Oh, Chich, I'd be bereft. Inconsolable. The thought of missing my beloved Blue Boy's life. <laughs> it's all too much. <laughs> I know, JK, I know. It's all a bit too much, isn't it? Yes. <laughs> well, panic not. NordVPN have come to the rescue. They have? Yep, NordVPN allows us to watch any match, even if it's not on live TV here. They do? Yeah, they do. With just one click, they switch your virtual location to a country which is showing the match, and they act as your cyber bodyguard whilst online, protecting your personal data and sensitive info like card details and passwords. Oh, wow. Great. 
<laughs> but yeah, I bet that'll cost me a fortune. Actually, JK, it's only the price of a cup of coffee per month, and you can use your account across six devices. It's a bargain, JK. And best of all, no more tears for you. Oh, thank you. Thank you, NordVPN. I'm so happy. I could cry. <laughs> Where do I sign up, Jidge? Well, to get the best discount off your NordVPN plan, go to nordvpn.com forward slash Chelsea Fancast. There's no risk with Nord's 30-day money-back guarantee, and you'll help support the Chelsea Fancast. The link is in the podcast episode description box. Real fans, real opinions. I'm Jason Cundy, and you're listening to the Chelsea Football Fancast. Proper Chelsea! Okay, we're back. I'm Stamford Chidge, and uh, you're listening to the Chelsea Fancast presented by Bertie the Pussycat, as you can probably hear the mewing (laughs) in the background. But uh, other than Bertie, uh, the best Chelsea broadcaster on the planet, we've also got uh, Clayton Beerman. Good evening. We've got the lovely Alex Churchill. A.K.A. Bertie's Slave. Bertie's Slave. Well, I was going to say Bertie's <laughs> Bitch, but that would probably be a bit rude. No, uh, yeah, no, probably about yeah, right. Yeah, 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 yeah <laughs> bit, bit out there. Uh, last by no means least, we've got the fantastic uh, Jonathan Kidd. I'm here, and I'm ready to do the voices. Mate, there are so many, so many... I mean, you know... I think it's probably because I moaned last week that there was only one, and they've come in not only with a flood this week, but... I, I have to say, I think some of the best emails we've ever had. I mean, they're very, very long, which is why I've kind of moved them up to part three, because I really wanted to do you and them justice. But they are they're brilliant. I thank you so much, people. I will thank you again in a minute. But I'm going to shut up and just plug your ears in, get a load of this. There's some real great nostalgia and some wonderful insights here. Over to you, Jonathan. Yeah, should you must say each week now, we haven't had enough. We haven't got enough, because then they all come. Back. <laughs> Maybe I will. This is from Paul Hay. Dear Chidge and the boys, a lot has been talked about about the lack of atmosphere at Stamford Bridge. And I've got the idea, this idea of what one of the causes could be. I think one of the reasons is that almost every chant we have contains swearing. I originally started coming to the bridge in the 70s as a teenager. Then the makeup of the crowd was much younger and mostly male. In those days, standing in the shed, I would always be joining in with all the songs without a care about the language as everybody around me was the same. However, now the makeup of the crowd has changed significantly, and those lifelong fans of the 70s are now middle-aged and bringing along their kids and grandkids. These older parents are not very likely to join in the songs because they don't want to swear in front of their children. And, of course, children won't sing as they're not going to swear in front of their parents. This means a very large proportion of the crowd will not sing. The knock-on effect of this is that the young ones will not get into the habit of singing, meaning the tradition stops with their generation. Now, don't get me wrong. I don't believe that football should be sanitised, family-friendly place. But the words of the songs do stop people joining in. While I was happy to sing such things as a spotty urbert in my youth, I don't particularly want to sing those words now. Even if I do start some songs, I tend to stop when I get to the swear word. Particularly true when almost every second song is an anti-Spurs song, 
and includes the Y word, which I will never want to sing. I understand the words can give a chant an extra strength, but it's lost if every chance has it. I just don't think that every song needs it. There's also another knock-on effect. Watching the Liverpool game on BT Sport, I was as annoyed as anybody when they actually stopped the commentary so we could hear the cop singing their awful song. But can you ever imagine the TV doing that for us? Of course they wouldn't because they're afraid of what they'll hear. I'm sure that the broadcasters place their microphones away from our fans as they know they'll pick up swearing. That's why it appears on TV that the away fans are much louder than our fans. The final part of this is the fact that such songs by their nature tend to be short and sung in an angry staccato manner. This compares with the anthem style songs, which are slower and more rousing. As much as I detest hearing them, Liverpool's You'll Never Walk Alone and Fields of Anfield Road fill a stadium with noise and last a good few minutes, which can't help but generate an atmosphere. Man United also have songs such as their 20 time chant that give a similar result. Trouble is, I don't know how this can be changed. Most of the people starting the songs seem to just want to concentrate on negativity against other teams rather than praising and singing up for our team. Maybe you guys have some thoughts. Regards, Paul from the Matthew Harding Upper. Now, that's a brilliant email, Paul. I had the pleasure of meeting Paul at the Supporters Trust General Meeting, a special general meeting the other week. Um, Alex, have you got any thoughts on that? You're our kind of our leading exponent of swearing on the fan cast. You have a, a <laughs> yes, particular, as a, a particular insight renowned, here. Yes, seeing as it's probably all my fault because I am the queen of profanity, according to everybody. Um, I don't know. We have our blue is the colour, don't we? We have that. It just doesn't get played before every game, only when we need to stall for TV. Um, I kind of see his point a little bit. It does get on my nerves that so many of the songs are about Spurs sometimes because it's like, well, we're not playing oh, them that, for another that does next season now. Just shut up. But um, I see his point a little bit. I don't think it's a massive part of why maybe we're lacking a bit. I think we there are other songs. I don't know. I just Maybe when we move stadiums and everything, we can sort of get the singers together and, and address in some way. Um, I do yeah, think that, we have that, a good won't, that won't that won't address that won't. I think actually, I, I agree with you to a certain extent, but I, th- I think Paul's point is that he. I think he has got a point actually. There are an awful lot of our songs do have have swear. I mean, even Carefree oh, they do. has got yeah, you know, they do. got swearing in it, which is the one that most. I, mean, I won't, I won't do on. the Y word either. I won't do the Y word. No, but I mean, even even Carefree's got swearing in it. My favourite song has happens to be the one that uh, was taken from that wonderful. Uh, Vera Lynn song, Bless Them All. Uh, that's, I don't know why. That's always been my favourite. <laughs> but, I mean, One Man Went to Mo. I mean, you see, that doesn't get sung enough these days. And I think that's a classic, classic, only uniquely Chelsea song, which goes uh, on and on and on, which offer. kind of ticks his... That does, yeah, which, that does come out every game in the shed off. Well, but, I haven't heard it for a while in the Matthew Harding end. And, of course, you know, at the Matthew Harding end, we don't hear the shed because they're not half as noisy as they like to think they are. Um, yeah, my favourite... Yeah, well, you didn't get that dig. I thought I thought you'd rise to the bait there, but uh, for me, Paul, and I don't know what the others have to think about this, but you know, there is. I mean, I remember this when I first started going was that for an entire half, you would just hear us go Chelsea, 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 Chelsea. And you'd get more manic as the minutes went and the air started disappearing through your lungs. I mean, that doesn't. You know, I think that's a brilliant, a brilliant song. But I think one man went to Mo, you know, that's uniquely Chelsea and it doesn't have any swear words in it, so that might work. I don't know. Uh, Clayton, what what say you, dear boy? Um, 
I know that you disagree with Alex, but I don't disagree. Um, I th- I think that the he he makes the point that the fan base is getting older, so I think you know there's sort of a lot more cynicism amongst supporters, and I think it's just natural that you know you're not quite as boisterous as you were when you were younger. I think that that's that's one point, and I do actually think that if there is a section of the stadium where people know there's going to be a lot of singing, etc., I think that needs to, that starts it. I mean, and it's difficult to, to isolate them and put them in one section, but that is the bottom line. That That's what happened. If you think about when we were standing, all the singing used to come from the shed. I don't actually remember singing coming from either of the, the old East or West stands. So, or in the north stand. Or in the north. Well, in the north stand. No, you the north stand sit. were a bit busy. To be fair. No, but if you, if you sang in the north stand, you were you were you were actually worried that it was going to vibrate and fall over. So <laughs> it's. I mean. So I I think there is an element of that. I I I hear what he says about the swearing. I think there 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 probably is a little bit of that, but I'm not sure that's the reason. I just think football's changed. I think I think <coughs> it, it will never be as boisterous as it was because people are sitting. I think that mm, I ultimately that. is 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 the be all and end all of it. To be honest with you, and the other the only other thing I would say, which possibly <clears throat> is fairly inexcusable, is the more successful a team gets, the less the supporters think that the team need their help, which I think is rubbish because there's so many great players on that pitch whose names don't get sung, but we sing about Frank Lampard every week. Frank mm. was a great player. But he ain't out there. He doesn't need it. So, you know. Chelsea specific right. as well. I don't think it hap- it helps that the away fans are in the shed now. Yeah, I agree with that. Let's park Danny that. Jose. because I'm, con- I'm conscious of the fact that we've got many, many more emails to go. And this one is a long one. So settle in, put your slippers on, make yourself a cup of tea. Jonathan, take it away. Can I just make a quick point? I think the problem with one man went to mow is by the time you've started it and got halfway through um, an attack, happens and we normally score or something happens and everybody gets distracted. <laughs> yeah, That's the that would never have happened in the old days, of course. Never, because it would take ages doing a bit of ball to be tapped around in the midfield. Anyway, <laughs> um, email number two, Roy Stennings. Hi, Chidge and fellow fancasters. I've been listening to your podcast for several seasons now and finally decided to send you an email. Congratulations and thanks to all of you for a top-class podcast every week. It certainly makes daily commuting more enjoyable, and I'll never tire of listening to anything on Chelsea. I had the chance recently to say hello to some of you at the recent Chelsea pitch owners AGM. I was sitting just in front of you, slightly to your left, but I didn't want to bother you. Maybe I will if there's another opportunity. Recent emails read out on your podcast have touched on some great topics and themes, some of which I'd like to add to. I was named after Roy Bentley, something I'm immensely proud of. My earliest memory of Chelsea in the 1967 FA Cup final versus Spurs. I was six years old. I wasn't there, but I can remember watching it on the TV, dressed in full Chelsea kit. Bobby Tandley scored a late consolation goal and we lost 2-1. I cried my eyes out at the end of the match. My mum did her best to console me. Chelsea was already my life. My first visit to Stamford Bridge was an FA Cup fourth round replay on the 29th of January 1969 versus Preston North End. I was so excited, I wore a blue and white bar scarf, the type of which are so popular again today. I sat with my dad in the upper tier of the Old North Stand. I was in total awe of the whole experience. I had never seen so many Chelsea supporters. It was Chelsea here, 
Chelsea there, Chelsea everywhere. I felt very proud to be one of them. I can remember the crowd singing Alan Birchinell's name, looking down on the match from my seat and the roar from the crowd. I wish I could remember us scoring either of our two goals that put us two up, but I don't. About 10 minutes before the end, the floodlights failed at one end of the ground and play was stopped. It was likely the game was going to be abandoned, so my dad decided we should leave. I didn't want to leave and he had to drag me away. He made the right decision, though. As it turned out, rather bizarrely, the referee brought both captains together and tossed a coin. The winner would decide if the match should continue or not. Preston won the toss and unsurprisingly called that the match should be abandoned. We won the replay 2-1 with two late goals. I wasn't at that game, though. 1970 FA Cup final. Such an iconic era. I wasn't at either game, but remember them so vividly. My household was now split at this point. My dad and I supported Chelsea. My younger brother and my mum supported Leeds. To say it was tense in our household would be an understatement. When David Webb headed in the winner, my dad picked me up in joy and accidentally banged my head on the ceiling. I didn't care. I was happy as well. My family all went to a few Chelsea versus Leeds fixtures around this time, and I was lucky enough to be at the game when we won 4-0 on the opening day of the season in 1972. After one Chelsea versus Leeds game, my brother and I were allowed to wait around for when the players came out. We were rewarded and have got some great memories as well as some autographs. I can remember when Peter Osgood came out. There was a surge of people all around eager to get his autograph. I'll never forget Ozzy saying, stop pushing me, you're worse than Norman Hunter. He was grinning from ear to ear, ear to ear as he said it and signed autographs for the entire vast eager crowd who'd waited so patiently after the game. The 1970s evolved into some very difficult financial times for Chelsea, and it was very possible that we'd be bankrupt. I can remember worrying all the time that if the worst did happen, I would never support anyone else, as it would never be the same. I would just be a neutral supporter. Thankfully, Chelsea survived. During the 1981-82 season, I travelled up to lots of games with a mate of mine who was a Spurs supporter. As it turned out, the teams were at home alternate weeks, so we took it in turns. White Hart Lane one week, Stamford Bridge the next. We did go our separate ways during the FA Cup when both teams had been drawn at home. In the fifth round, we knocked out Liverpool, which was an astonishing result at the time. This was before the days of all ticket games, and I'm sad to say I didn't get in for that game. However, I did have the foresight to bring a small radio with me and was a hugely popular person with the remaining Chelsea fans at the shed end entrance who didn't get in. I turned the volume up on the radio so that as many people as possible could hear the commentary. Everyone went mad when we scored early and the tension was almost unbearable for the remainder of the game as we hung on. About 10 minutes before the end, the stewards opened the gates to let any early leavers out. Instead, there was a mad rush to get into the ground by those of us who couldn't get in earlier. I only savoured a few minutes of the glory, but it was well worth it. As fate would have it, we drew Spurs at home in the sixth round. We were a mid-table second division team, whereas Spurs were one of the top teams. The atmosphere during the first half as we went 1-0 up was incredible. It was like a dream. If we knocked out Spurs, there were no big teams left. Sadly, Spurs showed their class at the start of the second half with three quick goals. We pulled one back, but it wasn't enough. And yes, I have seen Alan May's score. 12th of November, 1983, Chelsea 4, Newcastle United 0. We'd started off the season brilliantly, but after seeing us destroy the stars of Newcastle, 
I knew we had something special. The game is fondly remembered at the time, whereas the time when Pat Nevin went from one end of the pitch to the other in amazing dribble, which appeared to take him past just about every Newcastle player. If only he'd scored as well, it would without doubt have been the greatest Chelsea goal ever. From this game on, I can remember telling everyone about Pat Nevin and what a fantastic player he was. 28th of April, 1984, Chelsea 5, Leeds United 0. I attended the game with my brother and mum when we sat in the West Stand. Being Leeds fans, they would have to be kept quiet, but did so easily, as there was nothing for them to cheer about. I banged on about Pat Nevin to my brother all season. Early in the game, he said, where's this Pat Nevin then? A few minutes later, Pat danced around some Leeds defenders and laid on another Chelsea goal. That's who he is, I said, whilst jumping around in sheer joy. 25th of August, 1984, Arsenal 1, Chelsea 1. I'd learnt my lesson from a couple of seasons earlier and made sure I was there in plenty of time to get into the match, which I duly did. The atmosphere was amazing and Chelsea announced their arrival with an equaliser. I have my own images of that iconic Kerry Dixon goal. Chelsea were back. So many happy memories from the late 1980s, which somehow took a turn from the worse. How on earth that team got relegated, I will never know. It certainly proves that a team is never too good to go down. It was bad enough seeing us relegated, but even worse seeing all the trouble on the pitch afterwards at the final playoff game versus Middlesbrough. 27th of August, 1988. Chelsea 1 versus Blackburn Rovers. Chelsea 1, Blackburn Rovers 2. Due to the trouble at the last playoff match, no supporters were allowed on the terraces. It was seating only. Less than 7,000 fans turned up. I was one of them. I remember reading in a fanzine which said that those who were there were hardcore fans and would turn up and support Chelsea no matter what was happening. I'm proud to have been one of those people. Around this time, Marler Estates was on the scene as owners of our ground and they wanted to throw us out of Stamford Bridge. Ken Bates did a magnificent job fighting our cause. I used to send £10 a month to save the bridge. Donors got a mention in the bridge news, and I was very proud to see my name there in the list of donors. It's hard to believe it now, but there weren't that many of us giving donations at that time. A few years earlier, I'd sold, I'd sold Chelsea scratch cards every week to all my friends and workmates. In return, you got a free seat at home games in the lower tier of the East Stand as well as raising money for Chelsea, of course. I can still remember Fred Pink, who used to be in charge of the scratch card selling. Where were you when you were shit? Well, I was most definitely there. Since we've returned to the top tier, we've had some great times and experienced unprecedented success. I could write about classic Chelsea games I've been to all day, and I'm sure many of you could do the same. The more recent classics will be well known to the fancast presenters and listeners. A new theme for you and fellow podcast listeners. Do you have an unusual Chelsea claim to fame? For example, I've been first at the turnstile for a match versus Sheffield Wednesday, and I once threw the ball back to Doug Rugby during a game so we could take a throw in. Now, finally, to the subject title of this email. By the time of your next podcast, it will shortly be Chelsea's birthday, which we all know is the 10th of March. Happy 112th birthday, Chelsea. The history of Chelsea before I was born has always seemed to be an eternity to me and a length of time I couldn't really measure. However, I am now, as you often use the phrase on the podcast, of a certain age, when I will soon be exactly half of Chelsea's age. 
as is shown by my reciting of my fond memories above. The exact date of me being half of Chelsea's age I've worked out for me will be on the 26th of June 2017. Maybe the Chelsea Fancast podcasters and listeners will have a bit of fun finding out when they will be or have been half of Chelsea's age. We've got loads of history and I will shortly have been around for half of it. Keep up the great podcasts. Up the Chelsea, Roy Stennings. Wow, I think that deserves a massive, massive round of applause. Bravo. Bravo. Not, not just for Roy's email, but for you for sticking through that, Jonathan. That was a monster, wasn't it? A monster, um, but bloody where, some great where, matches there. Great. Well, great I was going to say, where do we start? Because I know we, 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 we've still got another four emails to go, so we can't spend too long talking about it. But just pick out, because you, 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 you've travelled the same journey as Roy, I would imagine, and, you know... He's probably about the same age as you. Yeah. Well, I, well, I'm I'm a little bit older than him because the um I was at the Preston North End replay. Uh, sorry, at the replay. Yeah, when when that happened, when the, and the floodlights failed, and uh, we all trooped out. And I never know, never knew that there'd been this coin tossing bit in the middle of it. But all I knew was the game had been abandoned. So we tried. And I then I then went to the replay, which was because the floodlights weren't hadn't been repaired. It was in the afternoon of a school day. And I, I sneaked out and watched it. And we were 1-0 down against Preston, who were in the third division at the time, till about, um, uh, as far as I can remember, you know, a minute to go. And then we scored two very quick goals, which um, seemed to sum it up, really, for the season. Because we were, we were a very good side still. It was the, same, it was the side that was about to win the, uh, win the FA Cup the following season. So it was a good team. Um, but I remember being there. I was there in my school uniform. I remember that. Um, uh. Uh, but uh, yeah, no. Somebody else chip in here. Chip Clayton, in here. Uh, you must remember a few of those, my friend. Particularly the '80s ones, I would have thought. Yeah, no, I do. Um, I the, just a little anecdote when he was talking about the uh, Chelsea four Newcastle nil game. I don't know. Uh, Pat Nevin did. He ran from literally the fullback position, the left side, and ran the whole length of the pitch and. It was such a shame that it didn't score. And what was also a shame was the fact there was no TV cameras there. And at the CPO dinner the other night, um, I went up to Pat Nevin because he said, oh, you know, come and tell me what your memories are of, of Chelsea when I was playing there. And I went up to him and I must have been about the 9,000th person who went up to him and said, talked about the Newcastle thing. And, it, you know, being Pat, and, and I've met him before, he's such a lovely, lovely man. He basically said, I'm so pleased there weren't cameras there. He said, because you lot would actually find out that it wasn't quite as brilliant as you thought it was. <laughs> and I said to him, no, that's wrong, mate, because it was. It was absolutely spellbinding. It, it was brilliant. But, yeah, no, it's a tremendous email. Absolutely fantastic. Mm. Really, really good. Uh, I have met mm. Pat, actually, and he is, an, as Clayton so rightly says, he's an absolute, he's just a delightful, delightful human being. Uh and still one of my all-time favourite players. Uh, we well, should move I mean, on, J.K. Sorry, go on, Clay. Yeah. Quickly. No, I was just gonna. I was gonna say the fact that he was the one that came out um, after Paul Cannaville's debut when he basically scored yeah. the winning goal, and, and when they were interviewed him afterwards, he wouldn't talk about the game. He just basically stood up for Paul. I mean, yeah. you know, top top man, really, really is. is. Indeed. All right. Jonathan, uh, let's see if we can whiz through the remainder. There are loads to go. There's four, and one of them's quite long, uh, but the others are all quite short. Anyway, the next one is, I think it's Ross Park, isn't it? Yes, one second. Uh, Ross Park. 
just had a, an iPad. Uh, uh, what's the word? Uh, here we are, stumble. Here we go. Yeah, Ross Park. Um, evening, guys. At the time of writing, I don't yet know the result on Monday. Uh, it was too late. I suppose I could look quite daft, but oh well. I just wanted to pay tribute to our defence, both individually and collectively. Yeah. A lot of attention this season has been on Costa, Hazard and, of course, N'Golo Kante. And rightly so. They've been wonderful. However, I feel the way the Magic 3 have adapted to an entirely new system and made such a success of it doesn't get the recognition it deserves. I'll start with my favourite player in the world, David Luiz. Dean Ashton made a statement after we re-signed our brilliantly barneted Brazilian that it was a great signing for the other 19 teams in the league. Of course, it's easy to look back now and laugh at such nonsense, but it followed a popular opinion amongst pundits that this guy was a bad player. Luiz is one of the most talented defenders in the world and was only ever the right manager away from performing at these levels consistently. In Conte, he's found the perfect fit. Next, to the most underrated player in the league, Aspilicueta. He gets compared with Ferreira often, and I can see why. However, I don't agree with the notion that he's rarely a 9 or 10, but always a 7. I think he plays at a 9 or 10 consistently. I can't really think of a bad game he's had for Chelsea. Even last year, he was one of few that could hold his head up. This guy effectively ended the Chelsea career of Ashley Cole, then Ivanovic, and now seemingly John Terry. What more needs to be said? Lastly, Gary Cahill. What a fantastic season he's having. We all know it began shakily, and I was one who thought he was probably finished. I'm so happy to have, been, to have been proven wrong. He stepped into the shoes of our greatest ever captain and done the job admirably. I cannot understand the hatred he received on Twitter almost every week. He's won everything with Chelsea and always gives his best. How some clown behind a screen with one of those daft handles like at Eden Skills or something of the sort can personally <laughs> attack a man who played through an injury to help deliver our first European Cup is beyond me. Of course, I think we could have better players, but honestly, are there many better people out there? Captain Cahill has my full support. When his time at Chelsea does come to an end, I'll look back on him as fondly as the likes of Mikel and Ivanovic. The fan cast really is excellent, especially now Jonathan's audio has improved. <laughs> <laughs> No, um, um, keep up the great... That was a joke, you see. Keep up the great work, Ross Park. <laughs> yes. <laughs> I've been wondering whether Dave is Chidge's real name. When Kerry calls him it, for some reason, it reminds me of Trigger and Rodney on Only Fools and Boys. <laughs> OK, all I want to know there is which one... Which is, you know, is Kerry Trigger or Rodney? That's what I want to know. Um... I think that's a brilliant email, uh, and I think it's about about time somebody made the case for the defence, which I think Ross has done brilliant there. Right, I'm going to make an executive decision now, JK, uh, yeah. because we're not going to have enough time to do all of these emails. So can I make a suggestion that we'll do them uh, next Lars... Well, well, we can do Lars next week, and we can do Max next week, which means we can do Harrison now, because Harrison's very much pertains to the game last night. So I think it would sure. be a bit rude not to do it, yeah? Does that make sense? Yeah. Yep. Brilliant. Harrison Lego. This is. Hello, you lovely lot. Excuse me. Just got home from the West Ham game alive with no stab wounds or scratches. Result. <laughs> However, I leave with a slight annoyance with our chance at the end of the game. Every single game at the final whistle, while the squad come over and applaud us, we all break out into singing Antonio, 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 Antonio for the remaining minutes while the squad walk off the pitch. 
Yes, I love the man. However, shouldn't we be congratulating the brilliance of the players and their tireless efforts on the pitch? I watch the players make a quick U-turn when they hear our fans just peppering Antonio with support, but not themselves. In the end, it's Antonio standing there by himself, enjoying the praise he gets. However, really, the whole team should be standing together as it's a team effort. Maybe songs such as Carefree, Chelsea, 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 or We're Top of the League would be more fitting. Just a small gripe. However, was wondering what you lads think, especially with the last podcast talking heavily about our chance and what should and shouldn't be sung. Keep up the good work, boys. Come on, you blues. Harrison. Okay. Brilliant. That, that's a brilliant email. And uh, Jonathan, amazing effort tonight. And by the way, for people who are listening live in Mixler, the author of that fantastic email, uh, which kind of took us down a trip down memory lane, is in Mixler now. I saw Alan May score. Uh, in answer to Harrison's question, I would say this. Um, it, was, it was always tradition back in the day, as far as I remember, that at the end of the match, uh, to the players, Alex! Shush! Mm-hmm. Uh, at the end of the match... At the end of the match, uh, we would go, we love you, Chelsea. We do. We love you, Chelsea. We do. We love you, Chelsea. We do. Oh, Chelsea, we love you. Am I right, people? Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Or, or we'll support you ever more yeah, because we'll we always lost. We'll support you ever more. Well, that's true. <laughs> yeah. But I think that or, or Chelsea, 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 because I think I think I agree with him to an, to an extent. Uh, but it's difficult when Antonio comes up because you want to give him a lot of praise. It's a very easy song to sing. And on the other hand, you know, we've got lots of different player songs. So which player do you lord the most? And that's why I'm thinking maybe we love you, Chelsea, we do, or Chelsea, 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 which is always wonderfully defiant. But uh, I think he makes a good point. Um, I'm sorry to hurry everybody along, but of course, because I mean, I'm really also sorry to Large and to Mac. I promise that we will read them out next week because they're cracking emails and they deserve to be heard. Uh, but we're, we'll just be going on for hours if we if we put those in as well. And I really want to talk about the Man United game. But before we do, uh, just to say thanks again for sending in the e- emails. I promise we'll read them out. Uh, send them to chelseafancast at gmail.com and do it before a Monday and you'll get them in. Right, in a minute, we're going to have a look ahead towards uh, the FA Cup quarterfinal next Monday. It's Man United. Fans, real opinions. I'm Jason Cundy, and you're listening to the Chelsea Football Fancast. Up the Chelsea FootballFancast.com. Right, welcome back. Uh, it's Stanford Chidge, and you're listening to the Chelsea Fancast. Slightly rearranged running order tonight because we had those fantastic emails. Uh, they were so good. Uh, it's a shame we couldn't get through them all. But as I said, we will make it up next week and read them out. And another thing, quickly before I get back in, we've got the lovely Clayton with us and the fantastic Alex and her very tiny kitten, Bertie. That's not a euphemism. It's for real. Uh, I'd just like to say to Jonathan, um, if you're, if you're going to do a gag, if you have to point out the gag, then it probably isn't funny. I know, but I just felt... I felt I ought to, in case people really thought that uh, that um, I'd suddenly gone off, you know, because I did it so, Chidge, I did it so well. I mean, that that's that's it was like Jack and Ori, mate. It's fantastic. Oh, you, it. Honestly, <laughs> you should be charging us charging us double tonight. <clears throat> Cough. Um, so what, anyway, that's, that's a ten, tenner I owe you, isn't it, Chidge? Oh, that's right, Jonathan. <laughs> well done. He's yeah. learning. He's learning. Right. We really, you know, it behoves us to uh, to talk about. Uh, next Monday's game um, because you know 
I, I'm sorry, but I'm old-fashioned. But, uh, you know, cup matches, quarter-final cup matches against the likes of Man United are, in my opinion, to be savoured. And uh, in spite of the bleeding inconvenience for me these days, having to go up midweek, uh, I have got my ticket and I'm going, mate. It's as simple as that. So uh, so there you go. Of course, the first bit of news um, is that Ibrahimovic uh, has uh, got his ban for being uh, an offence to fashion and egoism. <laughs> um, but the thing is, Alex, is that good or bad? Um, I think I think he who will not be named is going to tank the FA Cup anyway. We've got this 1,900-mile round trip today. If they win the Europa League, they get in the Champions League. It takes the pressure off finishing in the top four. I just, I don't think he's that bothered. And I think as soon as I saw that he could be banned, I thought we could do them because he's carried them for so much of the season. But he deserves an even longer ban for coming up with the shittest excuse I've ever heard in my life. He ran into my arm. I think I said in the blog, even if English is your uh, fifth language, that's just rubbish. You can do better than that. Yeah, Wasn't he being ironic? I don't think he's that well, clever. No, he's too he's too much of an egotist to to, to or egoist, in fact, to uh, to have a sense of irony. People who are that narcissistic actually believe that everything they're saying is the absolute gospel yeah. truth. Here's the thing that I would say, Clayton. I I, I mean, you know, the the reality is is that in all the times that that Ibrahimovic has played us, he very rarely turns up. To be honest, and I've got a horrible. I, I I don't think it's necessarily a good thing that he's uh, he's banned for next Monday um, because I think that well I think that Josie will play the kids we'll talk about that in a minute but I mean the likes of Rashford and Marshall might be a bit more of a worry than Ibrahimovic do you think? No, I think that he <laughs> no, no, th- no, 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 no 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 I think um, no. <laughs> he has basically carried them over the line in the League Cup in the last round of the FA Cup. He has basically got them so many points and so many victories. I'm absolutely delighted he's not playing because not only does he do that, if you actually notice, if you watch them, when they play, he's always the one that is basically telling people what to do. After they score a goal, he's always chuntering away. He's a leader. He's a leader on the pitch and leader in the dressing room. And if you take that away from them, I'm not saying it's going to be easy, but I think that that can only be good for us. But you're quite right, he's never really done it against us. But, I mean, to be fair, the last time he played against us, he was sent off when he shouldn't have been. Yeah, um, Yeah, well, that was very, very funny, of course. Of course, (laughs) I did laugh a lot. I love laughing. Apart from the fact we lost. Well, apart from that. But, I mean, you know, the laughter lasted quite well. I mean, there's nothing I like more than laughing a lot at a football match, particularly when I'm drunk, it helps. But, um, Jonathan, um, moving it on slightly, uh, it's a kind of interesting conundrum, isn't it? You know, because... We're now getting in towards the nitty-gritty of the league uh, title run-in. We're all beginning to feel a bit wobbly about it, even though we probably have no good reason so to do. Um, so it kind of begs the question, really, how how important is the FA Cup for us, generally? Um, and, I mean, you know, is it a question of league title or the FA Cup or both? I mean, which, which would you be prefer- prepared to give up? I think the answer is pretty obvious, but I'm going to ask oh. it anyway. I would love it, Chid. I would love it if we won both. Love it, Chid. Yeah. But I think I actually would too. We're gonna, I would. I, I prefer the league. Of, I prefer the yeah. league. Obviously, <clears throat> obviously. Yeah. But, uh, yeah. but I think we're gonna. I think we're gonna. Uh, we're gonna win easily on Monday without Ibrahimovic. Really? I think we're. Yeah. I think he 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 won the league cup final for them on his own. 
um, yeah. had uh, yeah. and uh, some and some dodgy linesmen um, yeah. giving the first goal goal uh, um, off um, offside. But no, I think I think he's uh, um, Rashford isn't quite up to it. I don't think they've got. I don't think they've got a, 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 a centre forward good enough actually after him. So uh, um, yeah, I think we'll. I mean, I would obviously prefer the, us to win the league, but I think we'll win. We'll we'll get to the semi final at least. Question of who we then play, of course. But and also, we what, decision hasn't been made as to um, whether he's going to play um, a, a proper in strength team, is it against them? If, if he if he play makes lots of changes, uh, both sides make changes. Well, then it might. You know, who knows who's going to win it? I don't know. I, t- to be honest, mate, I, I I don't see I don't see Conte making. Uh, wholesale changes I, uh, you know he just doesn't strike me as that kind of a guy I mean even against Wolves uh, he, he put out a half decent side I mean he played Costa and Hazard if you remember you know yeah. so you know you would have you would have thought he might not have done that and yet he did so I think if he's got Man United he's you know he's not going to know who they're going to play uh, before the game you know so he's going to assume that they're going to put out a decent side and therefore I think he will but I think I think the other point that you make is Will Jose, and I think this is where it gets interesting because they've got they've got Rostov in Russia on Thursday night. Yeah. The Europa Cup is arguably United's easiest route into the Champions League this year because yeah. they're six. They're going to struggle to get top four, and you're not going to get into the Champions League by winning the FA Cup. Um, they've all they've already secured their Europa League Cup place next year by winning the League Cup. So I, I I have a distinct suspicion that Jose might chuck this in and play the kids. Clayton, what say you? Um, it's really difficult one to call because he's already made the statement we're not Man City and we're not going to play the kids. So he's already, he already said that when the draw was made. But obviously then he didn't realise they were going to Russia. Um, so it was a bit of a rash statement for him to make. Um, I think there's going to be a lot about his pride not wanting to get done by us for a second time. But what what might just be his get out is I've got these two games I can't play a full time. You know, it's not fair. The fixtures, yada yada yada. Well, we've seen um, it before, haven't we? We've done that yeah. before, yeah. Yeah. You know, and, and I wouldn't be at all surprised if he picked a strong side because I don't think he wants to get his ass smacked for the second time this season at Stamford Bridge. I think he's put himself in a really, you know, insidious position by what he said. Um, nothing would surprise me with what he does. I, I mean, basically, if he plays, plays a weak side, I'm absolutely convinced they're going to sit behind the ball and just play for, well, yeah. for penalties. And then um, when yeah. they lose, they'll just go, oh, but I played a weakened side. So, no, yeah. well, if they, if they lose on penalties, he'll do what he did with us and say, well, we didn't actually lose it the game. It didn't count. The game was a draw. The game was a draw. We did not lose the penalties. It doesn't count. Alex, I think that's absolutely spot on. I think, I think, you know, I think he's going to play the kids and part the bus. He's going to play mm-hmm. 15 absolutely. men behind, behind ours. Yeah. I, I, I'm absolutely convinced. Are you? Yeah, I'm going to go out on a limb and say that Jose no longer gives a flying crap about the FA Cup. Not with the League Cup already. Not with uh, struggle to get into the top four. I mean, they've not been in the top four for how long? So how oh. are they going to get there and stay there now? I mean, he's now that obviously the favourites, Spurs are out of the Europa League. They've got a better chance of winning that. I think he'll go all in for the Europa League. They're quite close now, aren't they? What is it? Like the last 
the round of 212 now, isn't it? <laughs> yeah, something like that. <laughs> Only eight more group stages to go. <laughs> and they've got it. They're in. Do you know what? I don't know, actually. It must be getting close to quarterfinals, though, I would have thought. It's the, the, it's the one, it's the one before. I think it was a round of 16. A round of 16. God help us. Yeah, I mean, who knows? I mean, as I said, I'm convinced that he's going to play a weakened side. I'm convinced uh, that he's going to part the bus. And I'm also convinced that Conte is going to put out, you know, a fairly decent side. Do you know what? I I picked some... Again, it's a bit like that... um, you know, did have Chelsea won more London derbies than any other London side thing? I didn't know whether that was true or not. I, I picked this... This stat up as well. It might have even been during the game somebody mentioned this. Apparently, if 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 it goes to extra time on Monday night, well, apart from the fact I'll be really pissed off because it means I'm going to get back to Insta very late, um, apparently you can use a fourth substitute. Is that for real? Who who knows the answer to this? Oh, yeah, yeah, oh, yeah, yeah. Uh, after, after 90 minutes, you can bring on the fourth, not before. When did that, when did that come? Yeah, I realised that. When did that come in, though? It, it came with when they changed the law to, to not having a replay. I was talking right. to my brother about this, and we were saying that it's just bollocks because ultimately you, you love it? it in the last half hour when people are rolling and dragging themselves around in their hands yeah. with crap and everything. School. That's yeah. the fun of the FA Cup. Yeah. Rubbish. I mean, I, I personally, Alex, I, th- I think that really in extra time you should be able to shoot uh, random members of each side Rush to like, reduce the numbers, well. you know. Yeah, yeah. Rush yeah. Make it like a bit bit like British Bulldog, you know, whoever's yeah. left standing <laughs> wins, you know. <laughs> yeah, yeah I'll dodge your ball. <laughs> yeah. I'm sorry, I just had a mental... Spanners. I know, I just had... Exactly, I had a mental uh, image of, of in my head of uh, Patch Houlihan chucking spanners <laughs> at people. Patch Houlihan, ben, wasn't it? Ben Stiller sitting there with a pizza down his pants in the yeah, end credits. See, I've, got, I've got a secret man crush on Vince Vaughan. I want to come back as Vince Vaughan in my, my, my next life, actually. But anyway, we digress. Um, listen, you lot. I thought, as a as a bit of research, research, I can do a research. I can do I can do stuff like other programs can do. You know, I've got a nice little pretty diagram in my script, like the London is blue pod boys do, haven't I, Clayton? They do this, don't they, you, all the time? You, well, I don't know. I've not been on there for some time. Have I think you not I've been on it? Well, no, I've been on it. I've been on it a couple of times, but I haven't been on it this season. So I'm, I'm just oh. wondering whether you know I've offended them. I've which, never no, I been think you're on just, it. Never. You're too ubiquitous. You're too ubiquitous, Clayton, because you, you you're on this one. You're on um, the other Podding one, shared, the Chelsea podcast. Yeah, Jonathan's too expensive. Jonathan's too basically expensive. Jonathan's too expensive, and Clayton will turn up to the opening of an envelope. I think we've there, we've, we've nailed it. Absolutely correct. I am. Well, that's what I, I love am. about you, Clayton. You've got no shame. That's why. None <laughs> whatsoever. Absolutely none. <laughs> Uh, I, yeah, I, You're I can the Fergie you of the fan cast. Uh, <laughs> I can let you into a little secret. I shall be on the London is Blue pod on the 19th of March. Oh, yeah. Oh, hello. <laughs> Kettle, black. I, yeah, I'm defecting. I'm taking their yeah. podcast says, over. Says the man who was going to have a week off and then was like, but it'll get to the day before I and know, I absolutely won't so be able true, to live without the exceptions so and we'll blatantly go ahead. I had a soaky no. weep on your shoulder, didn't I, at the last game? So yeah. I'm not going to do the show <laughs> next week. I'm having a holiday. I can all fuck off, you know. But I, I, what happens? I completely do it because I'm such a you pro. You said anyway, we, just we, as I was sorry, walking on, away, you did say, just as I was walking away, it'll get to the day before and I'll just crave attention so much that I'll blame <laughs> you anyway. And then yesterday I saw that it came up. You've been tweeted about by Chelsea Fancast and I did have a chuckle. <laughs> 
I know. I'm so, I, I'm so predictable. Um, anyway, this is not predictable when it comes to Chidge, the fact that uh, um, that I've done some homework. You, You're going to love yes, this. Yes, you have. You are yes, so going to love this. Because, as I said, I think it's a big thing, Man United in the Cup. You know, it's the quarterfinal. It's special. We should cherish these moments. So I went into this wonderful website that I usually use for this kind of stuff to find out what our overall record uh, against United was in the FA Cup. And I can I can inform you that we um, we've we've won three and we've lost eight, so it's not that good. Uh, but more to the point, this is brilliant. Our, our first match against uh, Man United was 99 years ago in the cup uh, in 1908, and we lost up there one nil. In fact, actually, do you know where they played Clayton? Uh, what's the name of that? Oh God, it's the what the green and yellow strip. What's that called? The clue is in the name. Uh, they play, they played at Clay, Clayton Bank. Oh, did they? Very good. They played at Clayton Bank. Any relation? Uh, <laughs> on, the, on the basis my surname's not Bank, no. Okay, all right. But any, of your, relatives, <laughs> any of your relatives own banks? Oh, very good. Um, there, anyway, there, look, there's, played... there's, there's tumbleweed, isn't there? Yeah, I yeah, know. You need to well, explain maybe. the punchline again. Bouncing off the walls. Anyway, yeah, we, lost, we, played, we, lost we played on the 1st of February in 1908. We lost 1-0. That was the first time we played them in the Cup. Now, guess what? The interesting thing about this, Clayton will love this, is that Jack Whitley was in goal. Who is Jack Whitley, I hear you say? Well, you're going to all be hearing a lot about Jack Whitley in the next few weeks because the Supporters Trust, in conjunction with uh, Rick Glanville, amongst other people, are uh, about to launch a crowdfunding campaign to put a memorial on the grave of Jack Whitley, who was our goalkeeper and who served the club in various capacities for about 32 years. And he's the only former Chelsea player to be buried in Brompton Cemetery. And at the moment, he doesn't have a gravestone or anything. So we're going to try and raise some money to get a proper gravestone and get it inscribed and all the rest of it. But there we go. So how bizarre that I should do a little bit of research today. And and his name comes up. And he was the goalkeeper in 1908. I know. Uh, anyway, moving swiftly along, uh, another notable date. We beat them 2-0 in 1950 uh, with Roy Bentley and Bobby Campbell. Bobby Campbell scoring. Of course, Jonathan would have been at that game, wouldn't you, Jonathan? I was 30 at the time. <laughs> <laughs> Good comeback. I tell you what, mate, I bet, I bet you were at this one. Uh, 16th of March, 1963, Man United 2, Chelsea 1. Uh, no, that would have been at... Um... Old Trafford. Well, it would have been up. Yeah, it'd have been up there. Yeah. So you would remember that team. Um, That, by the way, I think. uh, I'm not. Did did United win the cup that year? Yes. They did, didn't they? Dennis Law scored. Yes. Yeah. So that that was the great great side of Dennis Law, Bobby Charlton. I think probably uh, George Best hadn't quite come on the scene by then. Anyway, the next time we. Yes, definitely. Sadler and all that. Anyway, the next time. Alec Dawson. Good grief, where did you get these names from? Right, the next time we played them was in 79 and we got roundly tonked 3-0 up there again. Uh, we also lost to them 2-0 up there again in 1988. I was 1988. there. I was at that game, you, I was at you, that you, one. You were at the 88 I, one? I was sitting, I, I, no, 79. I was, um, yeah. I was uh, behind the goal with Hugh Hastings who was taking photographs. It was actually no behind way. the goal. Yep. 
Oh, there we go. Hugh's a lovely chap, by the way. Yeah. Uh, and, yeah. and as Jonathan said, as a great Chelsea photographer of the days, if you check, if you if you lot are listening right now, go into Amazon and just whack in the name Hugh Hastings and find some of his wonderful photographic books. He's done about two or three, and a lot of them have got photographs from Chelsea in the eighties. They are absolutely to behold. Right, uh, then there's a bit of a hiatus, and then it kind of gets into more recent uh, territory. Of course, the 1994 final, which we've all tried to forget, but the first time we <laughs> appeared in the final since... Uh, first time we'd really... I mean, forget the full Members' Cup and all of that lot, but the first time we'd been in an FA Cup final since 17, we got absolutely stuffed 4-0, and it was all David Ellery's fault, and it pissed down with yeah. rain. So let's forget about that. And then, of course, a couple of years later, uh, we got to the semi-final, only to be beaten by them, 2-1. Uh... And, and but I tell you what, this this the one that because the one this is what kicked it all off for me when I thought, well, I'll do a little bit of research on this because I remember this match so well as being one of the most insane matches I have ever ever seen, which is when we lost to them five uh, three, I think it was in the third or fourth round, uh, and we were four nil down, and then Graham Lasso scored on seventy eight minutes, and then one of my favourite players of all time, Gianluca Vialli. Scored in the 83rd and the 88th minute. And, and and there was a feeling around us at the time, we might do this, we might do this. It was just bonkers. I would imagine all, th- all four of us would have been there. Am I right? Yes, I was yeah, there. Yeah, but did you... I, I'm not doubting your research, but I can't actually remember. I thought that after we scored one goal, they then got another one. So no, I think... No, no. no. Did no. we get 4-0 down, mate? Chich is right. I felt the same thing. I remember a stirring in my my, my vitals, thinking, oh, we might just win. Oh, no, we won't win it or draw. It was bonkers, no. though, wasn't it? It was just it was absolutely... Cause, yeah, I mean, there was a whole series of nutty results against United because it was around that time we bollocked them 5-0, wasn't it? You know, it, was, it might have even been the same season. I can't remember. But anyway, mad stuff. Uh, then there was the, uh, the quarterfinal in 1999. We lost 2-0. Uh... And then, of course, we had to wait until 2007, which was a wonderful uh, final when uh, I believe Ashley Cole had uh, Cristiano Ronaldo in his pocket and Mikel played a blinder again and Diego Drogba scored the goal in overtime, as they like to say. Didier Drogba. Yeah, brilliant goal, wasn't it? Uh, I had an absolutely shit seat, I I recall, for that, but it was lovely being there for the reopening of Wembley. Um, and then, of course, um, the la- the most recent uh, matchup we had a we had a two all draw with them up there in 2013. Got them back to the bridge, and uh, and Denver Bar scored a- an amazing goal, as I seem to recall. Alex, do you remember that? Sorry, I'm just far too busy laughing at Arsenal. Oh, they are now Barnes <laughs> scored, haven't they? Kajoni, it's just take- he's gone set got sent off, and it's just taken him about 20 minutes to leave the pitch because he was trying to pick a fight with the uh, stick wanker on the touchline so sorry do you remember the uh, do you remember Denver Bar's goal in 2013 against United no Clayton, I'm do you remember you Denver Bar's goal no, no, you, you blew it yeah, you, you, I, had one, you had one yeah. shot you had one shot and you blew it so I'm moving <laughs> on to Clayton it was an amazing hooked volley but there was something there was something there was something even more amazing in that game do you remember what it was oh go on i forget you know i wasn't there i missed this it was peter check's save from chiquito unbelievable point blank header from about he was on the six yard line you remember that yeah i know because i was away (laughs) i was filming in dubai 
Oh, but I, was, I was there and I can't remember it. I remember the goal. No. Mm. Yeah. Well, there you go. I mean, the bottom line is, people, we there's a quite a rich history of uh, of Man United uh, Chelsea matchups in the FA Cup. Uh, we all lost I can our say, first FA Cup final at Old Trafford as well. No, no, I we don't did. think it was at Old Trafford. No, 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 no it was. Nineteen no. fifteen. It was yeah. the the car no, final. Yeah, but I don't it think was. it was at Old Trafford. Oh, no, it yes, was it was. It was. Yeah. It was. Sorry, because of the war. Was it? Mm. Yes, it was. Yeah. Yes, okay, and we lost to Sheffield United, United didn't we? Three nil. They didn't want to yeah. take the railways up in the south, so they put it in the north because of troop movement. Okay, knowledge. Well, you see, you would know that because there are there are probably people out here who don't realise uh, that Alex, apart from being beautiful and hilarious and very sweary and knowledgeable about football, um, is also a a highly regarded historical. Not not actually, it's the wrong way to put it. She's a she's a, an author of historical. Not uh, you know, well, Deep quite heavyweight S. works actually <laughs> on the Repute. First Repute. World War. Repute. Yes. Yeah, there was yes. there was all all sorts of problems with the Chelsea fans couldn't get up to the game, and the FA didn't care, and they put it at Old Trafford anyway. And it was actually largely just soldiers in the crowd, which is why it's called the Khaki Final. That's right. Uh, quick what plug of your World War One books. Sorry, it Jonathan. Is. You're going to say, wasn't it considered One... unpatriotic? Yeah, kind of. I don't know. It's because it, that was they did it that season, and then they thought after that season finished, they thought, yeah, the war isn't over by Christmas, and perhaps we should like knock it on the head now. Quick plug of your books, Alex, before I lose the will to live. <laughs> Chelsea FC in the Great War available on Amazon. There you go. It's a cracking book. She still hasn't given me a signed copy, let alone with or without a kiss. I'm very upset, but uh, it's because you were too pissed it. to buy one at the launch. I was actually, wasn't I? <laughs> I do remember that. I do remember that. I remember actually you were just as pissed. Or was that another book launch? It's I can't all remember. The book anyway, launches. I think that There's basically whenever we, you and I go to a book launch, we both get pissed. So there we go. Um, anyway, go and buy it. Alex is a lovely writer as well as a wonderful human being. Uh, right, we really should go. But to, just to wrap up, um, quick uh, plugs as we normally do. We had a very, 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 very good uh, SGM, Supporters General Meeting, Supporters General Meeting, Special General Meeting of the Supporters Trust after the Swansea game. We had a really good Q&A with the uh, Chelsea Pitch Owners Chairman Charles Rose and of course the podcast of that meeting is available to download uh, via the usual channels. Uh, those of you who listen to the Chelsea Fancast will already know that. Um, also, more importantly, finally the membership survey uh, that was done last year has winged its way to you if you are a member <clears throat> so uh, have a look at that there's some good stuff in there now uh, join the trust get your voice heard by the club it's five quid to become a voting member it's free for non-voting members uh, but why would you want to do that pay your fiver become a voting member don't be such a tight ass uh, anyway sign up at chelseasupporterstrust.com uh, that means you can attend the meetings come to events vote on the issues that directly affect you and make sure you get your voice heard and of course you can follow them on Twitter at Chelsea S Trust. Uh, now talking of the CPO as we were, Clayton was lucky enough to be there, but they did have a superb dinner uh, a couple of weeks ago, um, and Antonio Conte was the guest of honour, and he gave an excellent interview with Pat Nevin, didn't he, Clayton? It was great. It was um, a very, very good evening. Lots of uh, lots of people there, lots of faces. Um, Conte was marvellous. Um, he <clears throat> was interviewed for about forty-five minutes. It was um, it was just lovely. I mean, you could tell that the guy 
is genuinely lovely guy. You could also tell that he was incredibly driven as well. Um, wow. It left you in no doubt that he was, you know, although he was this lovely guy and he was giggling and he was, uh, but you know, when it when push came to shove, you you just got the impression that you did want to get in his wrong side, and 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 that football was all he thought about. And you know, we're in really good hands, really good hands. That's Very good, good evening. Great uh, cause. Yep. Now, talking of being in good hands, uh, the future of the club is in good hands, uh, providing the Chelsea pitch owners uh, carries on uh, in existence and thrives. Uh, and, of course, to do that and to protect the future of the club playing at Stamford Bridge, you need to go and buy a share uh, in the Chelsea pitch owners. Uh, of course, they own the freehold of Stamford Bridge. And, of course, their aim is to ensure that Chelsea Football Club remain playing football at Stamford Bridge. Now, to find out how to buy a share for about 100 quid. All you have to do is email ch- uh, info at chelseapitchowners.com or check out chelseafc.com forward slash fans forward slash chelsea hyphen pitch hyphen owners and follow them on Twitter at pitch owners. And uh, you can also buy shares in instalments if you can't shell out 100 quid in one go, which is very good value. Uh, now, finally, the uh, latest issue of CFC UK was on sale before the West Ham game. Clayton, what's your article about this month? Tebow. Okay, I shall look forward to reading. I haven't got my copy yet. I haven't got my copy yet. That's why I haven't read it. I haven't even read my own. And is that no? I'm know, just laughing at the one-word answer. Just Tebow, buy it. Tebow, yeah. My favourite moment of the whole, my favourite moment of the entire show tonight has been Clayton going, no, 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 that was brilliant. no, no. Wonderful. I love that. We should, just think, if we all had responses like that, the show would be about 20 minutes and we'd all live longer. Um, anyway, uh, as I said, the uh, latest issue of CFC UK it, uh, was on sale before the West Ham game. If you can't get to uh, uh, can't get to the stall uh, opposite Fulham Broadway in person, you can always get it digitally by subscribing online at cfcuk.net. And if you're in the US of A, uh, follow the Twitter account at cfcukusa. And if anyone is interested in getting a, a CFC UK copy, a proper one, uh, contact Dan Lundberg on Twitter at dlundberg underscore. Right, you lovely lot. Uh, that is all we have time for tonight, this week. Uh, make sure you download the next Kerry Dixon preview show coming out this Thursday uh, when Kerry and I will be looking back at the West Ham game. Stop talking a silly American accent, Chigi. You know it's not clever. Uh, anyway, we'll be looking back at the West Ham game. And uh, sorry, did that thought just come out then? I didn't mean that to. Uh, anyway, look, Kerry and I will be uh, looking back at the West Ham game, obviously. And of course, we'll be previewing the Man United Cup match, which is coming up on the Monday. And um, by the way, I have to say, yet again, I think Praj uh, alerted me to this earlier on on Mixler, but yet again, I got the score prediction spot on. Uh, I've done this about six, seven, eight, nine times this season, and I haven't put money on it once. I'm insane. But there you go. So no doubt Kerry will be reminding me of my genius of getting the score completely right. Although, actually, to be fair, this week I just copied Kerry, so I don't really deserve any credit at all. Uh, Anyway, thanks to uh, me being at Stamford Bridge next Monday, the fancast will have to broadcast on the Tuesday, like this week, instead. Uh, So I'll be back next Tuesday night, together with Jonathan and Dan (laughs) Silver and... The lovely Tony Glover, who has been somewhere in the uh, Mixler room chatting to his smut buddy uh, occasionally. So that'll be fun as always. Now, smut buddy. Now, don't forget to follow the show on Twitter at Chelsea Fancast, me at Stanford Cheers, Jonathan at Jonathan Kidd, Clayton at Goalie59, and the lovely Alex, the girl who likes balls at. You you know what, Alex? You really ought to have a Mm -hmm. Twitter handle that says the girl that likes balls. 
I need to rethink this next season, but I thought only four people a week were going to read the blog, so I really didn't give a crap when I set it up, but perhaps you are right. I think I think you should do. You know, you, you, you could. I would do that. Set, set a Twitter thing up. Girl who likes ball, you know. Will anyway, do. Enough. Uh, otherwise, you can find Alex. Of She has many Twitter addresses, but the one that you can reach her on is at Churchill underscore Alex. And, of course... Check out the fan, uh, Chelsea Fancast website, chelseafancast.com, and many thanks to the Chelsea Fancast bloggers. Uh, Clayton wrote one not so long ago. Alex put up a great one today. Keep them coming. They're a good read. Now, many, many, many thanks to my lovely guests this week who have been Clayton Beerman. Been lots Woo. of fun, mate. Been lots of fun. There you go. Yeah. That's more than a one-word answer. <laughs> no, no, I could have just, no. just gone on. Great. Yeah, it's been like Father Jack, isn't it? You know, like random brick, drink, drink, Tebow, fuck, hazard. That's, that's it. Has to be like one syllable, really, doesn't it? Check. Yeah. Who I'll else do that next one? time. Yeah. We haven't, we haven't got many one one syllable player players at Chelsea anymore, have we? It's a bit of a shame. You know. Anyway, uh, enough of that. Uh, Clayton, as always, brilliant having you on the show. Hope, hope I, I, Monday's going to be a bit tight for me to to get. You know, I've got to get in and out well, quick. So I might not see you in your pint, normal but... seat. I'll wave. Yes, I will be in my normal seat. Uh, so I'll have to catch up with you for a beer at the next home game after that. Um, Alex, okay. uh, lovely to have you on the show as always. A real, real pleasure. You're, you're such a pleasure delight. as Everybody always. Everybody loves you out there. I always get all this massive like, we love Alex, we love Alex. Don't know what's, don't know why. Maybe it's Bertie. Maybe it's Bertie they love. You know what, Alex? When you're on the show, even Jonathan behaves. That's how good you are. Yeah, he's asleep. I haven't heard from him for a while. I think he's asleep. Are you having a snooze, J.K.? (laughs) (laughs) Alex, it's a delight to have you on the show. Sorry, sorry, Jonathan. You were saying sworn. Alex has Alex hasn't sworn once in the show today. No, she's great. She's very good. She's, well, there you go. He's, he's wacky. Oh, Alex, swear quickly. Swear now. Go on. Is, is oh, no, don't. Swear word. Don't. don't. Yeah. She was doing so well. Shut up. Don't encourage her, Jonathan. I know how you separated me from Smart Buddy. Me? Would I do that? Yeah. That, that would. That would. <laughs> yes. that would that would attribute Machiavellian tendencies to me, which I'm not prepared to own up to. Uh, Jonathan, as always, uh, lovely to have you on the show by my side, week after week. Oh, uh, thank you. A delight to delight. Right. Thank you so much. My, well, that's our pleasure. Thank you so much, particularly for reading out those cracking emails. That was a, a manful effort. Uh, anyway, uh, quick shout out to Eric Morabito, uh, who is getting married soon. He's coming over to London for his honeymoon. Eric, on behalf of all of us uh, on the fancast, because of course I should add that Eric's been listening to this show pretty much since year one. Uh, so have a great wedding, and hopefully we can try and catch up uh, on your honeymoon over in London. That would be lovely. Anyway, take care. Right, we got to go. Thanks for listening. Thanks particularly to the people out there in Mixler land who keep us company every week. See you next time. Until then, keep it blue, keep it carefree, keep it chels. Up the chels! It's the 90th minute. All your mates around. You've got your McNuggets share boxes ready to go. Your mates already got booked for double dipping and you steal the last nugget, snatching all three points. Perfect. Order McDelivery now on the McDonald's app. You in? 
At participating restaurants, 18 plus serving times, delivery fee, and terms apply. See McDonald's.com. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And is all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash pack for free shipping and 365-day returns.